heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome everybody to episode number 58 of YWC Football Talk. It's Championship Sunday and for such a big weekend as this. Obviously I know the Super Bowl is a big weekend, but I had to go and get some of the best football minds that I know on Twitter. And that is Matt Beast, Big Rat, and Danny's back for the third straight Thursday of the playoffs. We're ready to talk football, air some grievances in Matt's case. He's going to give his beloved Saints their final farewell. And just get into a whole bunch of stuff with this coaching carousel that's going around. But, boys, how are we all feeling tonight? Chilling. Good. How you doing? Uh, good, good, good. We're doing good. It's a sad day for me, or sad week for me, but uh, ha- happy to be back home. Exactly. Oh, I know it's sad because, man, like, let's just, I just want to get, I was going to get into it right away, but before we get into the Saints, I also just want to say, too, um, congrats to Philip Rivers on retirement. Um, I've been seeing some chammer, chatter about him and stuff, uh, per, and I want to ask you guys quickly, personally, I think he is a Hall of Famer, but what, like, what do you guys think? Like, I don't know about first ballot, but I think maybe second ballot. I, I personally think he should be. I mean, if you look at, someone posted the stats, based on EPA, EPA per play, he has like the fifth best EPA per play from 2000 to now. So essentially, if you by that metric, which is fair if you don't, but if you do, then he's the fifth best quarterback in the last 20 years. Peyton is first. And then, like, I think Brady is sixth. He's actually ahead of Brady in this metric. And so, like, he was a consistent... He was he was never, like, the best quarterback in the league, but he was consistently top five for a very long period of time, from, like, 2006 through 2011, 2012, and was still really good other years, too. I think that consistent string of excellence... Uh, gets you in. I don't think it's his fault that he never played in the Super Bowl. It's hard. I mean, it's just hard to be in a Super Bowl. And I think our the Hall of Fame, you know, you can find other quarterbacks who are already in who Rivers was more consistently dominant than, even though he never went to a Super Bowl. So for those reasons, I think he should get in. And I do think he will get in. I don't think he will right away. But I think with time, we're going to emphasize, like, these these different analytical metrics more and more. It's going to be a lot more complicated than just let's get Terry Bradshaw in there because he won four Super Bowls. Not saying he does or doesn't deserve to be in. I don't know enough about his career, but it, I'm just saying the process will be a lot more nuanced than just looking at the postseason heroes, which is what it was for the quarterback position for like 30 years. And I think that's going to change moving forward. And I think because of that change, that's going to help Rivers get in. So, like I mean, like I mean too. Like look at Dan Marino. He's a guy that only got to the one Super Bowl and then he never got back again. But he still got into, and he for the longest time was the uh, leader in passing yards. Obviously, until Peyton Manning took him over, and then uh, Drew Brees took over that stat. Yeah. So just a stat showing, and also I think like I'm pretty sure Dan Fouts is in as well. And like same thing too, Fouts never reached the Super Bowl in his career, and I believe Phil Phil Rivers is like in the top five as well in passing yards, touchdowns, and there's a couple other stats. And plus two, his Iron Man streak of like 200 plus games consecutively played, including playoffs. I think okay. says a lot towards his campaign candidacy. My question is for you guys: Do yeah. you think Philip Rivers wins the Super Bowl if he helps stay with the Giants? I, I I'll 
say this. Um, I don't know like what would have changed um, in terms of like the team building and all that. But I will say, if Rivers was on those 2007 and 2011 teams, I think he would have because I think he's a better quarterback than Eli Manning. I mean, yeah, I agree. throughout their career, I mean, he was better than Eli like every year of their career, every single year. Like he was the better quarterback if you just look at the individual season as a whole. So yeah, I don't see why he wouldn't, you know, on those same teams. Yeah. So the thing is, people, a lot of people are going to evaluate him on QB wins. I'm not, you know, doing much in the playoffs and stuff like that. But if you look at his individual stats, like you said, man, he's right up there with anyone else. So I mean, if I had a vote, yeah, he's definitely in. I would even say first ballot. But there's going to be people that look at that and they're gonna, they're not going to vote for him right away. I think he'll eventually get in. But yeah, yeah he's a Hall of Fame quarterback for sure. My question is, does Philip Rivers' kids have Hall of Fame votes? Because if so, he's definitely in. <laughs> but uh, taking the joke away from it, I mean, Philip Rivers, he uh, he's always a guy who just went out there and put up, put up points, had really great offenses. But, like, that team just didn't really consistently give him what he needed to get there. Like, it was always a coaching carousel there in the char- at the Chargers uh, front office there. And they just couldn't uh, keep a stable team together and – put it all together to make it a, a deep run in the playoffs. I mean, it doesn't help that he played in the same division as Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and all those that pretty much dominated the whole entire conference for his whole tenure there. But uh, at the end of the day, I think he should get into the Hall of Fame. He's He put up the numbers, and he's a great player. Um, one thing I actually pointed out today, I heard on Pro Football Talk, and it's something I wanted to briefly mention, was – if he beats Brady in that 2006, uh, 2006 divisional game where the the Chargers had that unbelievable season, I think that was LT's like unreal rushing season when it was like him and his like LT in his prime, Vincent Jackson, uh, Antonio Gates all in their primes. If he wins that game, I think there's a very good chance that they win the Super Bowl that year because I think they would have beaten the Colts. And then they would have gone on to obviously beat the Chicago Bears because that I still say that 06 Bears team is one of the worst teams to make the Super Bowl. And and but to build off that point, the reason they lost that game, like their kicker misses a, a game winning field goal in the last play of the game, and then famously uh, Marlon McCree, the uh, defensive player for the Chargers, he picks off Tom Brady in the fourth quarter. And then on the interception return, fumbles, and the Patriots get the ball back and get a new first down. And it's like, like stuff like like Philip Rivers didn't kick the field goal. Philip Rivers didn't catch an interception and then fumble the ball on the return. Those things weren't his fault. And like if his teammates had just done those two things, they win that game. And you know, I think they also probably would have beaten the Colts. We don't know. They were fourteen and two. They were dominant that year. And also when they played the Colts, it would have been uh, in San Diego because they would have had home field advantage. So, yeah, I mean, that's a great example of just how why should we punish Rivers for two mistakes in a key playoff game that he had nothing to do with. It's also the reason why, you know, you can call Tom Brady the GOAT for a bunch of reasons. Don't do it because Malcolm Butler caught an interception in the end zone. Brady had no influence on that play at all, but that's a different conversation. No, 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 entirely, entirely. And um, just to quickly, because obviously we all think he's a Hall of Fair, but just to move gears quickly, um, I said this before we went on air, but... Last Thursday, Danny and I were on here. We talked about Urban Meyer. Literally two hours after we get off, Robert Salas hired as the coach of the New York Jets. Yes, and then, sir. And then I can tell he likes it. I tell he likes it. I think, personally, I think it's a great move for the Jets organization. 
but I'm going to let Danny and Big Rat get into this because I've seen their Twitter beef, and I'll let you boys have the floor. Well, I don't really think that the Twitter beef was on uh, the coaching hire. I think Big Rat knows that's a good hire, right? Unless we have to argue about that as well. No, 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 it is a good hire. I mean, the t- there, a lot of the Twitter beef, and we'll, we'll get to this later in the show. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. You see, how, what separates me and you as fans is I'm more willing to recognize when the Jets are doing good things than you are for my team. I don't know if it's because you feel a little more threatened by them. I don't know what it is. But for Salah, I think he's a good hire. He was obviously wanted by a lot of teams. I The only joke I made about it from a Dolphins fan's perspective is it really does seem like the Jets are copying the Dolphins. They The Dolphins went through Adam Gase. Then the Jets decided we need an offensive mind to spark the offense. Let's go get Adam Gase. Then when the Dolphins fired Gase, they didn't just fire Gase. They promoted a defensive-minded head coach on the basis of his leadership skills, not his X's and O's acumen. That's what all the reports were saying. The Dolphins are looking for a leader. They're looking for a CEO type. So I'm going to coach both sides of the ball. And then and then they changed their organizational structure and made it that instead of the GM and the head coach reporting to the owner, which is what a lot of bad teams do, and that's how you get a lot of strife, um, they changed it so the head coach now reports to the GM and the GM reports to the owner which is how it is in Miami. Brian Flores reports to Chris Greer, and Chris Greer reports to Steve Ross. Chris Greer can fire Brian Flores whenever he wants. So the Jets, not only do they get their defensive-minded head coach, who's a leader, who's a CEO, but then they also change the organizational structure. So Salah reports to Joe Douglas, who reports to the owner, instead of both reporting to the owner. So, I mean, I can't shit on it, because the Dolphins are doing it, and it's working, and I think it, it is a good idea. So it is a good move by the Jets, that's just, you know, that's just a little joke on me because they're kind of copying the Dolphins. Yeah, there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with that, though. There's, I agree with you. You know, it's kind of a little fishy. And they also did trade their, their franchise player for two first-round picks, which was uh, something yes. you guys did as well. Exactly. But um, for, for, for the hire, to get into the hire, man, this is exactly who the hell they needed. This guy was the by far, I mean, at least to me and to everyone I've seen, the number one head coaching candidate on the market. And for him to come and choose the New York Jets, Shows a lot about how how much this uh, this franchise has progressed and how teams are viewing this. And I'm gonna get into the Watson thing a little bit later uh, as far as it relates to that point. But um, yeah, bro, this is exactly who the hell we needed. I know he had the press conference today and he said he's gonna give up defensive play calling. I don't know if Brian Flores did that, but um, yeah, I'm 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 not too sure about that. I mean, I know they're gonna be running the scheme still. And the defensive coordinator they got from the Falcons, you know, he was vastly improved from Dan Quinn when he took over those last 11 games. I saw it was like a total of like 11 points per game uh, differential or something like that. You talking about so, Raheem Morris? No, it's no, um, my Packers coach. It's James James Albrick, I think. Yeah, oh. yeah, something like that. I know he t- he took over as defensive coordinator when Raheem got uh, promoted. Yeah, but you know, so I'm giving him a chance, no doubt about it. As long as they're running Salah's scheme and they they install the scheme and everyone's familiar with it, stuff like that. He might have to, you know, take back play calling if it doesn't work out. But you know, that that's something I'm a little worried about right now. But as far as the offensive side of the ball, like like to bring in Mike Lafleur, who's been with Kyle Shanahan for eight years, and, and pretty much you're bringing Kyle Shanahan's system over, is going to be such a fresh air for this, uh, such a uh, a breath of fresh air for this team, bro. You know, we haven't had pre snap motion in, in in fucking years, bro. Like like we had such a dinosaur NFL offense for you know as as long as I can remember. And now that the fact that we can bring in Kyle Shanahan's offense, like that that. Off the dome is going to improve the uh, improve the offense without even knowing who's going to be quarterback for me. You know, it could be Sam. I don't want Sam. 
but you know, I would be a little bit more confident with Sam than running Adam Gase's system. But um, the fact, you know, he impressed in the press conference today. Uh, he said he's he's here to be a CEO, you know, a leader of men. You know, he said all gas, no break is going to be his motto and his uh, team image. So you know, there's nothing nothing to not like about this hire, and I think well, Jeff fans should be excited about this. I'm just waiting for him to be like in the middle of November when it starts to get colder out, just running up and down the stairs at MetLife in like shorts and a t-shirt. Um, oh, yeah. I do think it's a good thing culturally, but I did actually look at it, and also I noticed it, that the Jets have a pattern with this since 2001. When they hired Herm Edwards, who was like the same kind of outspoken coach, and then they go to Eric Mangini, who wasn't, Rex Ryan was, and then you had Bowles and Gase, who clearly weren't outspoken, who were very reserved, and then back to Robert Sala. So I feel like I noticed a pattern with the Jets coaching. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see what they do, and the only reason why I, I thought you were talking about Morris for a second was because I did see today that he accepted the uh, Rams job, which now obviously vacant with Brandon Staley, which I have to say, probably the most shocking head coaching hire, for the Chargers at least. Um, that's a really good hire. It's a good, oh, it's a good, it's a good hire, it just kind of surprised me, that's all. And I, I want to say, uh, my last thing on Salah, um, Jeff Elbridge is the name, by the way, just looked it up. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I can't. I, I do also uh, agree with Danny on the Michael Four hire. I mean, I say that as someone who wanted him because for our, we, I mean, we need an offensive coordinator too. And like a lot of Dolphin fans were looking at Michael Floor or Mike McDaniel, who are both like Shanahan's like lieutenants. And then obviously Lafleur goes to the Jets, and then McDaniel's officially McDaniel got promoted to Niners OC, yeah. so he's staying put where he is. So I, I am jealous as a Dolphins fan because I did want LaFleur was on was one guy on my short list. And uh yeah I mean I think Salah will do a good job. He told I forget I forget which game it was. I think it was the Cardinals game that was on a Saturday on NFL Network and Amazon. Yes. He told he told the announcers Salah did in the pregame like meetings that he had he just he had his pick of the litter of whichever job he wanted. And they remarked like it's kind of crazy that he could just pick. Like normally, you you accept what offer is given to you, you know. But he could just pick because he was so wanted by so many teams. So, yeah, there's no denying that. I'll just, I mean, as a word of caution, Adam Gase, when we hired him, not when the Jets hired him, when the Dolphins hired him, at the time, Adam Gase was the top head coaching name on the market. So these things don't always work out. But I I, I like the hire. Peyton Manning's name goes a long way yeah. with that. And yes, another, that's good to say. Another another thing he said in his press press conference today, which I absolutely loved, and if I was a player, I'd, you know, this is this is why players love him. He said one of his main priorities is to, to coach these players to get paid maximum dollar. So if I'm a player and I know my coach is looking out for me and my well being like that, like I'm gonna fucking give him my love for him. You know, that's completely opposite of what Adam Gates would do, as you've seen over the years. So that's just a little little point there. And I, I do also like the Chargers hire. I, I don't know if Danny's mad. I'm pissed. I really wanted them to take Dable because I thought it would really hurt the Bills. For the Bills to go through, like, a, a scheme change, you know, especially, like, Allen, like, you know, he's been sensational this year. But he only has one year of good tape on him. The other two years he was brutal. And to, like, make the Bills go through a scheme change I thought would help the Dolphins and the Jets and the Patriots kind of bridge the gap with them a little bit to force them to go through that change. But because the Chargers pick Staley, now it looks like it seems like Dable's going to come back unless he takes that Texans job. No, and no. It sucks. I will say the Texans. The Texans. I, I mean, obviously they have a lot of problems right now, but they have not hired anyone yet, and it makes you wonder: Are they hiring someone who's still in the playoffs? Because, it, like that, that would 
be a reason why they don't have a head coach yet. It would be someone, or if it is someone like Dable, or it could be someone. No, no one wants to go there at this point because that that that, that franchise just seems trash. At some point, like someone's going to have to take it because it's going to be the only job left on the market. But like the, the and, way it's looking, it's not looking very good, especially if Deshaun Watson is out the building. They're going to have to roll like Matt Rule money at whoever has them. Like I think Matt Rule's making like seven million a year or something like that. The Texans are going to have to give them a six-year deal with a lot of job security, saying like, "Hey, we obviously know it's rough waters ahead, but it wouldn't shock me if they're waiting for." I think the names I heard were Caldwell and Leslie Frazier, but for all we know, they could swerve us and still get the enemy. Yeah, yeah. don't don't discount uh, either uh, Nick Casario here. Like, yep. you know, I, I, it doesn't seem like McDaniel's is going to interview for this job, but he did interview for the Eagles' job, and you know, Casario. Casario has a six-year contract. Casario's got a lot of stability, and I, I, he's got a lot of friends throughout the league, as you know, Griff. So yep. you never know if he could just pluck one of these Patriots coaches to come in and take the job. Yep, I mean, yeah, it's gonna. I, I think it totally like determines on like what Deshaun wants to do. Like, no coach wants to take that job without knowing. Like, is Deshaun going to be the quarterback? Is he not? Whatever. I also read something like the enemy asked for. Uh, roster control or partial roster control so I doubt Casario would want to give that up with Jack Easterbay still in the mix and McNair said today that you know he's still going to have a little bit of roster uh, control so having three guys with roster control is definitely not going to work you know that's just going to be an egotistical war that doesn't end up well ever so I think um, you know I don't know if the show I read something Deshaun might have sat on the uh, Eric Bieniemy interview I'm not sure about that but it's going to come down to, like, is he the quarterback, is he not? You know, how are we building this team? But if, you, if, if, if the Texans do trade them, they're going to get the hell of the package. So to start fresh with a team, which is what Robert Sala is going to do, that's not the worst scenario in the world either. No, it's not. And um, by the way, before we – because I want to transition to Matt to let him speak because I feel like he hasn't spoken that much since we started. Um, Big Rap, one name I would look out for for you guys for OC would actually be Anthony Lynn, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. somewhere, I, forget, I think it was Josina Anderson who said that he was considering taking a year off, and then he decided he's cool with like coming back to be an OC, and Brian Flores loves him. When we played the Chargers this year, in his press availability, Brian Flores could not stop raving about Lynn, said he's an awesome coach, said that he helped Brian Flores out when Brian Flores was a younger coach. It wouldn't surprise me at all, but um, if it's not going to be Anthony Lynn, the names I would watch out for are probably Eric Stutzville, an internal hire. And an internal hire isn't, while it's not sexy, it's also, I'm not that upset about it as a Dolphins fan because more continuity, I think, is a good thing for Tua as opposed to another OC who could radically change the system. Now, the system needs changing, so that's also, like, not the worst in the world, but I wouldn't mind some continuity if they wanted to promote Studesville, who is, like, a respected running backs coach across the league. And, uh, uh, so yeah, him, Pep Hamilton, or hopefully, Anthony Lynn would be my choice if we could do it, so. We'll see. It's gonna be it's gonna be Brian Schottenheimer. Dolphins, Dolphins, Dolphins are coaching the Senior Bowl, which is next week. They don't have to have an offensive coordinator by Monday, but it's gonna be pretty weird if they don't have one pretty soon. Or they can go and get Randy Fickner. Oh fuck! Uh, <laughs> oh. I'd rather a guy who will take Randy's job. No, I'm just messing with you. Um, but no, we're gonna move on to a little bit of a note. I'm gonna let Matt take over and just. Matt, how do we feel about the Saints, not only what happens Sunday, but going forward for 2021? Okay, first of all, before I say anything, I just want to say, um, if this really is the end for Drew Brees, hell of a career. He really transformed the New Orleans Saints, the 
I mean, not even arguably, the greatest free agent quarterback of all time uh, to come in uh, just shortly after his San Diego Chargers career was derailed by injury. Um, they took a chance on him, and uh, 15 years later, unfortunately, yeah, he only has one Super Bowl to show for it. But literally, one of the one of the one of the best in terms of uh, putting up numbers of all time. And uh, but that aside, Drew Brees played an awful, awful game. Um, it did come out, uh, Brittany Brees, his wife, said that he was playing through the season with the torn plantar fascia. He was playing, of course, with the broken ribs and the punctured lung. Uh, uh, of course, he had the time off to recover for that a little bit, but I'm sure there were still nagging injuries there. And he had a torn rotator cuff. So uh, all three of those injuries piled on top of each other makes it really hard. And, of course, I mean, as you get older, you're going to have uh, – you're going to be more prone to these injuries. And uh, we had some trouble on the interior of the line, so he was probably getting hit a little bit too much for my liking. But, yeah, I mean, both these quarterbacks, Tom Brady and Drew Brees, they did not play good. Granted, the defenses were playing really well. Um, in terms of the game itself, if as soon as Jared Cook had the fumble, I pretty much knew it was over. I even tweeted out, Jared Cook is a bitch, um, <laughs> because I was just so mad. Cause I, I knew after that fumble the game was over. And then Drew Brees continue, went on to throw, throw two more interceptions, which were pretty bad. Um, one of them was actually Jared Cook's fault, so that's another thing on Jared Cook. But two of his interceptions were just bad. Um, but, yeah, just – like, if Drew Brees just doesn't turn over the ball, ball over, we could probably have won that game because we only gave up 21 points because we had four turnovers and plus territory for the Bucks. So uh, if those turnovers don't happen, I honestly think the Saints would have won. Um, it wouldn't have been a pretty game, but I think we would have came out on top. But uh, it is what it is. Um, and it's sad to see this team. Uh, this could be the closing of the window, per se, of uh, since the 2017 season. Um, we've, we've gone to the playoffs four years in a row, won the division four years in a row. Um, at least I can live with the fact that the Saints pretty much beat themselves in this game versus it being taken away from us, like in the Rams game with the no-call or at the Vikings game where our defense, where Marcus Williams just decided not to tackle Stephon Diggs for whatever reason. Um, that was definitely hurt a lot more, and uh, so I can take solace in that. And uh, it's just sad to see my boy Breeze go out, and it's going to be a definitely interesting offseason. Uh, Mickey Loomis is going to be a wizard with the cap hit. Um, if he really wants to, I think this team could possibly make the playoffs next season. Um, and he could probably if, – if there's any person who can get around the cap, it's Mickey Loomis. He's done it time and time again. We're always in cap hill. It's just – it is what it is at this point. But he always navigates us, and we're always able to make moves. Um, so I, I think realistically we could go 9-7 and seven, uh, next season, depending on who the quarterback is. And um, I'm hoping it's uh, Jameis personally, but – if it's Taysom, it is what it is at this point. Um, I'm not too confident in him. Uh, he just doesn't seem like the guy. He cannot throw his receivers open. He has to see his receivers open before he throws the ball. He doesn't have anticipation in the pocket. It, he fumbles too much. Um, Jameis on his side, of course, he threw a lot of turnovers, has a lot of interceptions. Uh, but uh, usually in Bruce Arian's system, these quarterbacks will throw more interceptions than uh, they historically do. So I think that has something to do with it as well as, I mean, of course he does turn the ball over himself, 
and I think Sean Payton could probably fix that. But I've gone on a long enough tangent there for a little bit, so uh, I'll stop there for now. The only other question I wanted to ask you is, who do you think the biggest priorities for free agency are this year? Because I believe Trey Hendrickson is up among some others. Um, well, uh, we're going to have the fifth-year options on Lattimore and Ramchek. I think Marcus Williams is an important free agent because the Saints, their defensive philosophy before this whole new core came into play was uh, every now and then we would get torched by the deep ball. And um, ever since we've had Marcus Williams, that hasn't been – as huge of a uh, issue and he's a really good safety and I think he should come back of course we're gonna have to figure out Lattimore and Ramchek's long-term deals Trey Hendrickson might just be gone and it would suck to see but uh I think he came out as a product he got those 13 and a half sacks of course he, he played good and honestly going into the season if you would have told me Trey Hendrickson would have got six and a half to seven sacks I would have been like wow that's a really good year for him um, him getting 13 and a half came out of nowhere. Um, but I think a lot of it has to do with the fact of the system he's playing in. We have a re- really deep defensive line, but if he leaves, edge is definitely going to be top tier priority, whether it's through the draft or whether it's through another free agent. Um, we'll just have to see how that goes. And uh, it, it really just depends on what all Mickey Loomis and Sean want to do. If Whoever they want to keep, I think they could make it happen. Um, it's just some moves are going to have to be made and I'll, I'll just have to see what direction this team is going to go in. Oh, exactly. And also to just figuring out the holes to fill with coaching and front office with obviously Terry Fontenot going to, uh, Atlanta and then Dan Campbell, obviously biting kneecaps off and Aaron Glenn going to Detroit. So it's going to be a very interesting off season for the saints, but I feel like if the Buccaneers decide to run it back, they, I think more than likely will win the division unless the saints come out. Like, like you're just like, hey, business as usual. Because even though Taysom was the starter and he didn't look the best, they still went three and one with that, like with him. It's not like they yeah. fell off a cliff or anything. Like I feel like Sean's there as well, and then also too with like Pete Carmichael, which I'm so surprised. Like Carmichael's been there a long time. It's going to be a very interesting off season, to say the least, if you're a part of Houdat Nation. Yeah, I feel like um, if Dennis Allen, he he had a. Uh interviewed with the Eagles for their head coaching job. If he would have left, then there would have been some things to worry about. Um, I think that's the more worrisome position if if our defensive coordinator left. Um, Because for a while, we were switching out defensive coordinators constantly. And Dennis Allen has been a constant for a little while now. So he's he's shown that he has what it takes to be the defensive coordinator long term. Um, I do believe that, I mean, losing these coaches like Dan Campbell, um, he was a tight ends coach slash assistant head coach. Um, a, bi- a big thing going into our future for uh, the tight end, at least, is Adam, Adam Troutman. I want to see if he can develop, and uh, maybe losing Dan Campbell could hurt his development um, because Jared Cook is definitely not going to be on this team next year. Um, I can say that pretty confidently. Um, we, we almost lost uh, one of our guys to LSU. Um, his name is escaping me at the moment, unfortunately, but Sean decided to keep him and he's probably going to be the new assistant head coach. And so I think, I think that's going to end up being a pretty good one. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's really going to be an interesting off season for us in the Houdat nation in new Orleans. And also to just on another side note, um, cause big rap brought up internal hires before and the Indianapolis Colts have done that. Uh, Marcus Brady will be the new offensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts, so just something to uh, worth noting of. So internal hires usually uh, do work out. And also, uh, man, Minnesota, Gary Kubiak retiring, that's 
I couldn't believe it when I saw it. Mike Zimmer, six OCs in six years. Yeah, that's, that's pretty bad. But um, before we get to the games this weekend, boys, let's go through the rest of the uh, coaching carousel that's been hired so far. Uh, do, pardon me? Well, yeah, I just want to ask Matt something real quick. Uh, Matt, um, one, I mean, yeah, like, obviously, like, sorry about the game. Like, I mean, really, like, the Saints could have won, even with Breeze playing bad, because, like you said, Brady didn't play well either. Mm-hmm. I thought the Bucks, the here's a, it's a great stat. The Bucks had three touchdown drives that took up a, a total of 60 yards. That That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's, they had, they had the ball at the 20, the ball at the three, and the ball at the 35 or something. Like, that's... I mean that that's that's not a credit to the Bucks offense. Their efficiency numbers were really bad. They just you know, they got the ball on a super short field three times, scored three touchdowns off it, and that was the difference in the game. The Saints could have easily won this game. Um, my my question to you is did not having Taysom hurt because that was kind of my read. Um, maybe I'm just reacting to the result too much. Because before the game I didn't think it was a big deal, and I know Taysom is kind of a punchline on Twitter and a little bit in Who That Nation. Um, but it did seem like not having him come in for his periodic plays every now and then did kind of hurt, especially given how big he was in the Vikings game last year when Breeze also didn't play well in the playoffs. Uh, I don't know if you felt the same way. I just wanted to ask you that. Um, yeah, I mean, Taysom Hill, he's definitely like a guy once we get in the red zone. Like, we started off with two field goals. So if you say Taysom Hill comes in and scores a touchdown on one of those field goals, that, that becomes a different game right there. Um, I think another huge part of this game was Deontay Harris going out early because he was just tearing up their punt return coverage, and him getting hurt was bad. And I feel like all of our receivers, they're honestly playing kind of hurt. Marquez Callaway just came back. Um, Michael Thomas is about to get off-season surgery on his injured ankle. Um, and Deontay Harris, he played really good in the Bears playoff game. Like, he was a guy who's out there balling. And if he's out on the field, maybe that helps us a little bit. And, of course, Taysom uh, in the red zone, it really helps just our efficiency. And I think that's where it hurts the most, not having him. And, um, yeah, I think it did play a factor into it, of course. But, I mean, uh, sorry to the Deontay Harris thing. I think those two things hurt us a lot. And, uh, and you know, with Cook – I just saw someone, I saw, the last thing I saw, I saw some Saints fan put it on Twitter really well. It's like, they had kind of like, he's been known for making knucklehead plays his whole career. In the first, in the second Bucks game, didn't you guys, you guys had the ball in the red zone and he fumbled it, like at the one yard line. And it yes. Didn't, and it didn't matter because you blew them out anyway. So no one really cared, but he caught a touch. Uh, sorry, folks. Then we're having some technical difficult. Oh, he's back. Yeah, can you hear me now? Yeah, we can hear you now. Sorry, guys. Just big rats having some technical issues. Uh, go on. Yeah. So just like Cook has made knucklehead plays his whole career, and the Saints fan just said, like, you know, you can only get away with that for so long. And we mm. saw in the playoff game. We finally don't get away with it. Sadly. Yeah, it's just uh, Alvin Kamara pretty much put it the best. You can't win no game turn over the ball over four times. That's just all I can say there. I mean, Jared Cook definitely had an emphasis on it with uh, the fumble and the catch that he kind of popped up in the air and uh, got intercepted off of uh, – that, that helped them get the interception. But, yeah, I mean, he's 
he, he's a very on-off player. Very when, when he's in the zone, he's really good, but sometimes he just makes really bad – he has really bad days. No, that's exactly it. It's just, look, sometimes you play your best, sometimes you play your worst, but unfortunately – if you play your worst in January, chances are your season's going to be over with. And um, I think this never happens to Brady. How come Brady's like receiver never makes the horrible fumble, the stupid interception? Like, man, it's incredible. It happened in Indianapolis about ten years ago, actually. So, when <laughs> like no one, that, like no one could catch a ball in that game. Fair enough. Yeah. So it happens once in a while. We'll see if it happens Sunday. But before we get there. Um, just with the, the, I just want to go through the coaching carousel hire of quickly of guys who were hired to see what you guys' thoughts are. Uh, first up, uh, Arthur Smith to Atlanta. I, I like. I think I like it. It's just going to be more interesting now to see who has full control and like what Rich McKay's role is exactly. Plus two, I think that whichever quarterback the Jet, I think that the more I think about it, I think the Jets do take a quarterback and Sam's gone. Um. Uh, whichever quarterback doesn't go to the Jets is going to go to the Falcons. Yeah, um, I just want to say quickly, Arthur Smith is happy. He hired Dean Pease as defensive coordinator, 71 years old as a defensive coordinator. That's crazy. Yeah, brought him out of retirement. I guess he really, like, because that that Atlanta defense has been the problem the last few years, not just play-wise, but they just can't stay healthy. Yeah, so, um, thoughts on Arthur Smith, um, great scheme, you know, but he, he just reminds me of a guy who's just, like, a career coordinator, you know, like, he'll be there for three years, you know, they'll, they'll be okay, but ultimately, they won't, they're not gonna do anything, and right now is the time to rebuild the NFC South, you know, Brady's got another year left, Max, maybe two, I doubt it, you know, the Saints have to find a quarterback right now, Matt, I don't think you want Jameis Winston, but that's beside the point, you know, the, the, the Panthers still have a lot of questions, I love Joe Brady there, um, but he, he just, you know, he I don't see how he's inspiring a team. You know, he just seems like a really strong offensive coordinator. And, you know, I, I just don't think it's going to work. I I think it's either going to work. It'll either work for a bit, but then they're going to have just a season where it, like, completely blows up in their face. Like, at first it's like, hey, it's fine. Or after year one, if it still no progress is made, it's all right, whatever. But I think year two, it's either the, hey, either it's a get up and go or just if they don't do anything, he's gone by 2023. Well, for, for what it's worth, people said this about Peterson. Now, you could take that in a good way or a bad way because he was fired and ultimately people don't like him as a head coach, but he did win a Super Bowl. And people were saying the same things about him when he was hired. He's a coordinator. He doesn't really have the gravitas to lead a team and all that. And, you know, overall, you'd call it a success, even despite how it ended. Like, I like I the... Like... Oh, go on, Matt. Okay. Um, I would like to see if the Falcons are going to make a conservative... Or, uh... A, a big push to try and land some kind of running back. Maybe they uh, get Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, so that way they could run uh, not really a s- similar situation with the big power back, but at least have a running back they can lean on because they definitely don't have that in Atlanta right now. And that's something that if they had to add to their offense, that would really change quite a bit because I feel like their offense has just about everything you'd want besides that running back, and I think that would uh, definitely set up Arthur Smith to have some success. And like you guys said, the defense has definitely been the issue there. But, I mean, they have some playmakers there on defense, but they just had some injuries over the past couple years, and that's just really hurt them. 
Also, news of noteworthy too, the only stadium in the 2021 season that will be named after Mercedes-Benz. I saw somewhere that the the uh, partnership with the Saints ends, so it's just going back to the Louisiana Superdome. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I was going to mention quickly. Oh, yes, on to Dan Campbell in Detroit. Um, at first, I didn't like this hire just because I was like, you know what, they're looking for basically what I thought Matt Patricia was supposed to be, but... After his press conference today and just the bite your kneecap offline, I'm like, okay, there's going to be a few years of growing pains, but I think Dan Campbell is actually dedicated to bringing a winner to Detroit. It's just the whole no prior head coaching experience, and obviously I know Big Rat, he took over for Joe Philbin, but it's it's still a very, I'm still looking like a little wishwashy on this one. season everyone thought Philbin was going to get fired they beat the Vikings who were like who, both teams were seven and eight at the time the Dolphins were seven and seven the Vikings were seven and seven the Dolphins won to go to eight and seven the Vikings lost to go to seven and eight and Steve Ross like was so emotional like because it was a close game and he was so emotional after the game he announced that Joe Philbin was coming back like literally the worst thing he's ever done as a Dolphins owner and then four games into the next year he fired Joe Philbin he quickly realized how much of a mistake it was. So Campbell wasn't just a short-term interim. It was like it was like Raheem Morris with the Falcons. Like Campbell was the coach for most of the year, and uh, I like him. <clears throat> I like him as a personality. I remember Griff, me and you were actually talking about this at WrestleMania weekend in Dallas, and we discussed how going to New Orleans would be good for him. He'd get so much more experience. He'd learn a lot more. Or because he was given too much too soon. He was went from, from a tight ends coach to the interim head coach. He got to be the assistant head coach of Sean Payton. You know, him and Sean Payton are both Bill Parcells guys. And we, I remember in Dallas, we agreed that it would be really good for him. And I do think he'll one day be a good head coach. But I, I do like the enthusiasm he brings to his press conference. He's definitely a players coach. The players are going to love him. The players in Miami adored him, even though the fans didn't. Like when they beat the Patriots – which, you know, I'm, I'm obliged once an episode to bring up a time the Dolphins beat the Patriots. It happens once um, a year, all good. Say it again? It happens once a season, so it's fine. Yeah, th- this was one of the special ones that cost the Patriots a one seed, so I hold it near and dear to my heart in 2015, uh, which a one seed that I do think cost the Patriots a Super Bowl. It's a really impactful one that year. And so uh, Jarvis Landry said after the game, we got to bring Dan back. Dan's a stud. Dan loves the players. He has the players' backs. We need to bring him back. Like, the Dolphins players really wanted him to come back. And Steve Ross was like, nah, he's not ready for that yet. I like him. I do like his enthusiasm with the presser. Biting the kneecap thing is, I, I think it's a little weird. Um, but I do enjoy, like, the energy he brings. I do worry that, <clears throat> I don't know, I watched that presser. It was very similar to his introductory press conference in Miami. So part of me does wonder, has he learned what he's needed to learn to do a better job here? Because he is a rah-rah coach, but in today's NFL, you just need you need more than that. There's too many offensive geniuses. There's too many defensive masterminds as head coaches. Like You need a lot more than just being able to get the players motivated for the game. I think that's really important, like in college, but in the NFL, you need more. You need a problem solve. You need to make adjustments on game day. So his coordinators are going to be very, very important. I think his coordinators are going to have a lot of power, uh, whichever ones he picks. 
And so if he mails the coordinator hires, I think it could go well. But I do still think he's kind of learning on the job. And by the way, like he, if you guys hated the punts in the wild card round of Mike Vrabel and Mike Tomlin, if you guys hated all those punts, I mean, Dan Campbell is one of the most conservative coaches I've ever seen that year he coached the Dolphins. Every single fourth and short was a punt. Every single time, regardless of where you were on the field. It drove the fan base crazy. Uh, like He had a punt against the Cowboys in one game. They were down by 10 points. It was less than four minutes left in the fourth quarter. It was Danny. It was like a Todd Bowles punt. Like, it was brutal. And oh, man. Yeah, and like, and I saw like, and I saw uh, Joe Good Joe Goodberry, who's like a writer for the Bengals. He saw the press video and he quote tweeted it and said, "This looks like the kind of coach that would punt from the opposing thirty-five yard line." And I'm like, "Yeah," because he, he has done that in games before. So that game, hopefully, his game management is better. Otherwise, he's going to piss off the fan base. And hopefully, he has good coordinator hires and hopefully he learns on the job. Um, but he's going to take time for sure. I don't think this is the kind of thing where they'll be good right away. They'll, they'll need some time to really blossom into something. I think it's kind of yeah. like a baseball rebuilding, which obviously Danny doesn't know a lot about that. But when you have a baseball team where it's like you bring in there and you have some kids in the system and there's hope, but you know, hey, it's still going to take about two to three years before we're not com- – like I'm not going to say playoff worthy, but before you're competitive. And they gave him a six-year deal, like, which, is, which was uncommon. Like, only Kyle, Kyle Shanahan got that, but he was, you know, a hot name on the market. Yeah. And Brian Flores, I think, got a five-year deal because they knew they were going into a deep rebuild, so they wanted to promise him a little more security knowing the team would be bad his first year. They gave Campbell six years, so they're, that tells you that they're prepared to rebuild. They're prepared to for, like, a year or two of losing seasons, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, think... No, oh, God, I'm not. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. But uh, I think Dan Campbell's going to be a good hire for them. I mean... Of course, he's uh, spent the spent the past couple of years after the Dolphins with Sean Payton. I think learning under him is really good. Um, and the Lions definitely always have kind of a look on the Saints because they had Joe Lombardi a couple of years ago as their offensive coordinator, and now they're looking again uh, and uh, have Dan Campbell now as their head coach. He's already brought on Aaron Glenn as his defensive coordinator. He was the secondary coach for the Saints, and I will say that since Aaron Glenn's been there. The secondary's been a lot more improved. He started in 2016, I believe, uh, coaching them, and uh, they've just done wonders. I mean, this secondary has been fantastic. I mean, the Saints would go some years with just having, like, one good good secondary player, maybe a good safety, and they've just all been really good from Marshawn Lattimore to Norris Jenkins this year – he, he, he had Ken Crawley looking really good a couple of years ago, and that guy is just a shell of what he could have been uh, now. Um, I know he spent a little bit of time on the Dolphins with you, Big uh, Grad, I believe, but I'm sure he didn't really do nothing. Um, he was a good tight ends coach for a while, but it was like it's just hard to get too much value out of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I think bringing in some, someone he's familiar with is definitely going to help a lot. Um kind of get the same system going um a lot of it depends on who his offensive coordinator is going to be they have some issues to figure out especially with what their wide receiver room is going to be i'm sure they're probably going to end up tagging um gosh his name is case kenny galladay uh so that way they keep him Uh, marvin jones is definitely gone uh, i believe um and he could uh help uh help further TJ Hawkinson's career now. So that'll definitely be interesting to see. Um, but I think, like you said, a lot of it 
definitely depends on who his offensive coordinator is going to be, but I think bringing in Aaron Glenn is definitely a good step. Um, another another quick fact, both uh, Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn, their last years as players was on the New Orleans Saints, so uh, that's an interesting fact there. Yeah, Dan Campbell was on the Super Bowl team, I believe, right? Yeah, he was on injury reserve the whole year, though, so he did not receive a ring. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he also... He also played. Uh, sorry, Danny. Just very quick. No, you're also, good. He played on the Owen uh, 16 Lions team too. Wow. So for me, um, I'm going to defer to Big Rod and, and Beast a little bit because you know they actually had the guy on their squads. But from what I've seen, I 100% agree with Big Rod on uh, him being a rah-rah guy, and that shit only works for so long. Like once you start, once you don't win games, like players start to you know like, is this the guy? You know, like is he all tough? You know, the, the reason why it worked for Rex Ryan is because he came in and he won, and he won with the rah-rah shit. But once they started losing games, look what happened. He got fired, and he went to the Bills, did nothing on the Bills. So it, it's going to be determined on, you know, the talent they bring in. Um, Aaron Glenn was a really good hire. He needs to get the most out of Jeff Okuda, Okada, whatever. Okuda. He's not, looking, he's not looking good. I know he was injured, but he's not looking like the number three overall pick right now. Um, for me, it was an underwhelming hire. I think there was better candidates out there. I will say, if you're going to do it, though, you do have to, like Chris said, you can't do this. I, I understand it looks stupid, give him a six-year deal, but you can't do this, give him four years, complain when the team is like seven and nine, two years in a row, and then fire him. Like, you would need to give him time if you want this to have any chance of working. No, but at the same time, the Detroit Lions haven't been the best uh, ran organization, so... Me. They haven't won a playoff game since before any of us were born. But I do remember that conversation with you actually in Dallas, Big Rat, because uh, I just remember it just seemed like, you know, when it's like a, um, what's the best word for? Uh, don't run before you don't know how to walk, that kind of thing. That's how I see it, where, you know what, sometimes look at all these guys who are making their way up. Like, for example, I think a higher, all of us like is, is the, just to quickly tie in, is the Brandon Staley one, where he went from, being like a linebackers coach under Fangio, and then followed Fangio to Denver. McVay took a shot on him, and now look, he's coaching a team who's got a very high ceiling going forward. So that's just my thoughts on it. With Campbell, like, look, he obviously Detroit um, with uh, not Detroit. Before we get there, with Miami, he had his time in the sun, but they wanted him back. But then he thought maybe, hey, I'm not going to get the head coaching job. I'll instead go to New Orleans, learn under Sean. Now Sean's probably given him the tools to succeed. But at the same time, too, I do agree with um, Danny on the sense of, you know, hey, the rah-rah stuff only works for so long, but I don't think it's going to be like Rex Ryan where they win immediately. If they have two bad years, it's going to be that 2023 season where it's like, okay, Dan, we got to start not even like making the playoffs, but a finish above 500, so you just keep building momentum going forward, kind of like what you see with Matt Rule right now in Carolina. The, his first two games with the Dolphins, they blew out their opponents. Like, it was insane. They won both games by, like, 30 points. It was crazy. And then, like, everyone got all excited. Like, oh, look what Dan Campbell can do, you know, because the players were just jacked up to play for him. But then, just over the course of the season, and coaches made adjustments. It was, it was sad. Like, against the Bills, the Rex Ryan Bills, actually, the Bills said, the Bills said after the game, they ran the same running play the entire game, and they ran for like 200 yards. And they said they never changed the call. It was the exact same play. They never changed anything because they knew the Dolphins weren't going to adjust to it. And that, I mean, that's embarrassing. Now, granted, that was five years ago. I'm sure he is different. He did learn from Sean Payton, so I shouldn't 
So we should give him that chance uh, to see in game those in game adjustments and see if they are happening again or not. Because he is a different guy now, we think, than he was back then. It's all just a quick wait and see. Um, one thing I want to say quickly is I feel like the University of Alabama is like rehab for bad coaches because Doug Marone's now their O line coach and Bill O'Brien got hired today as their offensive coordinator. So I'm like, did he? Wow. Like, I'm just, yeah, he did. So I'm like thinking about it. Like, look at Steve Sarkeesian, for example, like, who I'm pretty sure we talked about this last time Big Rat was on, where he was showing up to USC games drunk, went to Alabama, and now he's coaching the Texas Longhorns. He rehabbed Lane Kiffin's career. Yes. And yeah. Kiffin got fired. He rehabbed even, even Brian Dable. Wasn't a failure as an OC per se, but he was bouncing around the league. He was being the OC for multiple teams, and then he was the OC for Bama that year that Tua took over in the national title game, and that propelled his career to get the Bills job. To be fair, I would say that Alabama is probably a really, really safe place to go um, to play devil's advocate. They're still stacked with talent. Like even they're going to lose a lot of guys this year, but. Like Bryce Young, their quarterback, who's going to take over for Mac Jones, he was like he was like the centerpiece of their recruiting class. He was supposed to be the next big thing in college football. We forget about it because Mac Jones like played so well. There was no need to talk about it, but like they're really high on him. They think he could be an instant superstar. And they play a Miami, they play a Blake Baker, Manny Diaz defense to open the 2021 season. So, so he'll, he'll probably look pretty good. I've seen you guys actually making some uh, quickly in Miami, some uh, moves, and you got some transfers. And I think a kid from uh, Georgia who's from the Miami area is coming back. Uh, Tyreek Stevenson. Yep, that's his... a lot of yeah. A lot of Miami fans wanted him when he was first coming out, um, and finally got him. Yeah. Um, the only other coaching hire I want to talk about quickly because obviously we talked about Salah. Um, I can let Big Rat and Matt, if you guys want to give your thoughts on Urban Meyer quickly, you can. Because Danny and I obviously discussed it last week. I mean, it's, I don't know what Matt thinks, but it's just like, it's its kind of tough to say. It's like, it's either going to fail spectacularly or it's going to be a great hire. It's like, he's either going to adjust, learn that he can't treat NFL players the same way he treats college players, and be a superstar, kind of like, I mean... Jim Harbaugh was a stud as a head coach. Man, people make can make all the jokes they want. He made the NFC title game three straight years. Like, and and the general manager Trent Baalke is the same general manager that's the general manager for the Jaguars now. Hey. Uh, so yeah, I mean it's either gonna be awesome or it's gonna fail spectacularly, like Steve Spurrier when he came to the NFL. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I could see it working out pretty well quickly. Or, yeah. and, and it could fall down pretty quickly after that i mean uh look at look at what happened with chip kelly i mean he came in and he was really good for a couple years and then he just fell off the face of the earth in the nfl sphere um but uh i I don't really i don't really know if i could see him starting out hot with this jaguars team though they have a lot of rebuilding to do they definitely are not what they were when they made the afc title game um but i mean when you're gonna get trevor lawrence on your team I think uh, that's definitely an attractive spot to go to. So we'll just have to see what he can do. Uh, I'm sure Florida's happy to have Urban Meyer back and coaching <laughs> and a pro team. We'll see how it pans out for him. Again. And I, I, I also just want to add that um, I think as fans of the NFL, like it's just fun. Like it's like a fun storyline to follow. You know, it's kind of like last summer we had like Philip Rivers changing teams, Tom Brady changing teams, Cam Newton in New England. We had all these like 
really intriguing things. Like it's just a fun little subplot to the upcoming NFL season that is going to be that is going to get us all pretty excited. It also goes to show the Jacks get Urban Meyer to finally take an NFL job. The Jets get to take the top head coaching candidate on the market. We talk about like how attractive these jobs are, like. Being at the top of the draft and having a lot of draft picks is very attractive. It's not always about having the best record or even the best quarterback, clearly, as we see now. And yeah. yeah, I think a lot of that comes into these coaches can go onto these teams and feel like they can get their fresh start and make it their team when they have all these assets to build these teams. And that really is something that can attract someone. I just my only concern with Meyer is is that you know how with college recruiting they can just go out and get whoever they want. I feel like that 2022 offseason is going to be very critical for Jacksonville because Meyer can't just go out there and be like, hey, yeah, come play for me and you'll get all this stuff. No, it's going to be depending on how they do in 2021 all that. And um, I want to say something quickly that I think Danny may get pissed off at, but I truly believe it. I think that the Jets will not get Deshaun Watson for a multitude of reasons, just to uh, switch topics. Um, That's I, how we're transitioning. No transitioning. <laughs> we're going into it, baby. Going in head first. Um, I think that Joe Douglas is going to want to secure the long-term future of his franchise. I don't think he's just going to want to throw away a king's ransom to go get a quarterback now. Sure, you can fetch people in free agency, but I do believe that Douglas wants to keep all his picks that he has, especially the uh, Seattle pick, which I know you're happy about. And the second overall pick, you know what, go get the quarterback you want if it is, or if it's Sam, uh, build around him. I trust Mike LaFleur to, you know, go in there. And also, too, for, uh, that's just my only thing. It's like what we saw with the Brooklyn Nets last week, how they traded all their picks away for James Harden. It's championship or bust, because I still do believe that the Jets team now with Deshaun Watson will fin- would finish with a very similar record to what the... Uh, Houston Texans finished with this year at a four, twelve, or five and eleven. Now, obviously, I know you like that more compared to two and fourteen. But if you build the right system with the right, you have a good executive in Douglas. Robert Sala is the head coach. You know the all gas no breaks mentality. But when it comes to the whole Deshaun Watson thing, I think you guys are going to be more set up without him, so you can build your long term future to become a winner in the league. Meanwhile, with Watson. Sure, he makes $10 million now, but when his $35 million cap hit comes, you also got some areas I think you have to shore up, a, most notably your defense and your receiving core. So get the draft quarterback now if you want, or keep Sam on his uh, fourth and fifth year options, which is cheaper, rather than going out there and getting the uh, most prized quarterback that's probably on the market right now. It's not a free agent. That's just my All two right, cents. So... <laughs> I think we should get the. I think I think we should get the other nonsense out of the way. So I'm gonna let Big Rag go before me. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. no I, I'm totally fine with you going first. It's a okay with you. It's okay, Daniel. Go first. Before y'all get that, I, I would like to pose a question that each of you guys could answer. Shoot. What do you guys think would be the best trade offer that your team could offer for Watson? And then we could debate on which one would be uh, which one would get the job done. Uh, we've talked about this in Twitter on Twitter. The Dolphins would offer Tua, the number three overall pick, the number eighteen overall pick, next year's first, and possibly if they had to, their first pick of the second, their pick in the second round this year. Which I mean, Danny has the same thing. Don't get me wrong. Where the Dolphins have the third overall pick in the second round. It's a quasi. Uh, 
first crop there. So three, six, right? I mean, that, that's what I think. I didn't hear anything you said. You liked that. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Sorry, man. You cut out there. So just repeat that big ride after the. So you said Tua, the third overall pick, the 18th overall pick, your 2022nd first rounder, and then a 2021 uh, second rounder. Yeah, and then Danny's team would probably offer four first, the Jets and the Seattle picks this year and next year, which includes the number two overall pick. Yep, number two, and I believe number 23. Yeah, 23. Um, I truly don't believe that they're going to want either Tua or Darnold. I could be wrong here. But I, I think they're just going to go ahead and draft their own quarterback. Or if they got two or three, they would just trade back and pick up even more first-round picks. Um, but to counter um, Griff's argument on why they shouldn't get him, listen, bro, You when you have a, a top two, in my book, top two quarterback at 25 years old on the market, you, you, you do what it takes to get him, and especially if he wants to come here. Listen, they're, like, they're going to take a quarterback at number two regardless, and it's going to be a lottery ticket. You don't know if he's going to work. He could work, but is he going to really be what Deshaun Watson is? Probably not. Chances are no. So what you're doing here essentially is you're, you're taking number two, which is going to be a quarterback. You're taking Jamal Adams, say you never traded him, and maybe a little bit more, and you're getting a top two quarterback that's 25 years old. Now, I know you're like, oh, the Jets need a lot. You know, they need to rebuild. The reason why we were so bad was because of coaching. There's there, there's a lot of talent on that team, despite what you might believe. Um, I know you said receivers. Denzel Mims is a very highly regarded uh, rookie, which Big Rat will admit he does like him. Jameson Crowder is one of the best slot, slot receivers in the league. And when you make that deal, you automatically become the number one free agent destination. They have, they're going to have, after that trade, if they did make that trade, they're going to have over $70 million in cap still uh, to spend. And this is one of the best pre-agent classes I've seen in, in recent years, especially with the fact that a lot of teams aren't going to be spending money because of COVID. The cap's going to be down. So you're going to be able to go and get an Allen Robinson or a Kenny Galladay or Chris Godwin, whoever hits the market. So, you know, you're going to have your hand choice, uh, hand-picked choice on who wants to play receiver with Deshaun Watson because who wouldn't? Um, it's not like you're going out and you're giving a shitload of money to Richard Sherman. You guys are getting, you know, young pe- young players that you could have drafted on their second contracts. So I know a lot of people say free agency doesn't always work, but look at the Buccaneers right now in the NFC Championship game because of free agency. Um, another point to make is you don't know what's going to happen with the uh, with pick 23, with next year's first Seattle. You know, these are going to be late picks in the 20s. So, you know, the higher bust rate because – over 50% of like the first-round picks usually bust in the NFL. So it's, it's lottery tickets. If, if I have a chance to get a top-two quarterback, I'm making the trade regardless. Now it's going to come down to does he want to come here? Does he want to go to Miami first? That I don't know. But from what I've seen, if you're a franchise quarterback of the Texans and you're on social media, which you know is today's platform of you know getting your message across, which wasn't it wasn't like that years ago, you're not going, you're not liking – yourself in, in another team's uniform that just doesn't happen that's not okay so i don't know if they're going to be able to smooth it over they might be able to with, with the enemy i'm not sure i'm still saying no but even if they didn't get watson i do have faith that the jets can make it happen but to say that their team is is, is bad enough and it would be just like the texans i think we have a lot more texans uh talent than the texans do yeah, i know but also too with free agency you guys have to get marcus may uh extended and i know 
That's a huge priority yeah. because your defense. You, 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 you franchise Marcus May. Yeah, you don't, you don't give him a long term contract. You franchise him, and the, the tag for a safety is like eleven mil. You also have the CJ Mosley situation to figure out if he's ever going to end up playing or not. Um, my but whole thing with it too is though, just do you want to? And all because here's the other thing too. And I'll ask you this honestly: say it's a perfect world, you guys get Watson, you trade away all your picks, you you have him, and you get like say Allen Robinson. Can you honestly sit here and tell me that's still a better quarterback receiving tandem than Allen and Diggs? Because I don't think so. Um, maybe not, but but it's going to be close. You know, it's going to be a lot a lot closer than you think. The thing is, you you once you trade for Watson, you're automatically in win now mode. So you're giving out. You know, you, you're going for the big stars, and you're the destination to get that done. Like it's not like oh, hope and pray. Like hopefully this happens. Like no, like like people want to come here. Look at Robert Sala; he wanted to come here. Like for whatever reason, I have no idea why, but for whatever reason, we're an attractive destination right now. Well, I mean, like you guys just needed the defensive stuff. My my whole thing is too with Watson. I think he and I. I want to ask uh, Big Rat and Matt this as well. I think if he has a pick of where to go, I think he wants to go to a team that already has an established, not just talent set, but an established culture of winning, like a team that's like just on the outside looking in because it's really super rare as well for teams to go from 2 and 14 to win now. I think the last one to do it was the uh, Indianapolis Colts when they got luck. Okay, so to take a little shot at Big right here and him saying, you know, the Dolphins are a much better scenario. Yes, you can trade for Watson. You're going to absorb they have 25 million in cap room. You're going to absorb that contract. You're going to take a 15 million dollar dead hit on Tua if you do trade Tua. So you're going to you're going to have nothing to surround him with. It. Does he really want to go and play with Devontae Parker and, and Mike Gesicki? Like no, if I if I'm the Sean Watson, I'm like, "All right, I can go to New York and I can literally build this team with players I want." It 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 just comes down to like, you know, does Joe Douglas want to make the trade? Or I think he wants to come here. I do think he wants to come here. And then just because he wants to come here doesn't mean he can't put multiple teams on his list. Like, oh, you know, I, I would go to New York, Miami, Carolina, et cetera. You know, I think there's going to be a couple teams on the list. It's not just going to be one team. So, okay, I'll, I'll get in here then. The, I'll talk about the Dolphins, but on the Jets thing, it's like he does not like the receivers thing. Firstly, you're – presentation of the cap number is not accurate because there's a lot of guys they can cut to clear up money. Like, a lot of Dolphin bloggers have done the map on this. You could, because one, the Dolphins have to pay those first-round pick contracts this year. One of them is number three overall. That's not cheap, even as a rookie. So, those contracts are going to come off the books if you trade those picks, which you would. Secondly, there's a bunch of guys they can cut. Guys like Jakeem Grant, guys like Albert Wilson, guys like Alan Hearns. Two of the latter two of those guys uh, opted out of the season due to COVID, which is their right. No problem with that. But they were kind of marginal players to begin with, and the Dolphins could easily cut them to create space. They could get rid of Eric Flowers, who has a $10 million hit, but almost no guaranteed money left. They can clear that to clear up more space. There's a lot of things they can do to clear up space. That's the least of my concerns. Secondly, he does not want, like, sure, I'll even say maybe the Jets receiver combos are better. The dude just led the NFL in passing. His concern is not being able to put up the best passing numbers and his own like MVP award stuff. Like that's not what he wants. What he wants is to win very clearly. He just led the NFL in passing with Houston's receivers. He can put up good numbers in Houston. He can has good receivers in Houston. That's not what matters. What matters is 
can he win? And I'm sorry, there's no way, no way you can tell me he goes to the Jets versus he goes to the Dolphins. The Watson-led Jets are going to win more games than the Watson-led Dolphins. No chance. No chance you can tell me that. Especially since we have a defensive play caller who has proven himself as a head coach level. Who's going to stay here? He's not the Flores isn't going anywhere. Like, even if some free agents come and go, the defense is probably going to still have the same system. It's probably going to be effective. I know you like to knock it for being so reliant on turnovers and scoring defense. One, I checked this up with Griff. Uh, I, Griff, I was actually looking this up for the Patriots. The Patriots are always like top 10 in turnovers every year. Yep. Like they, yeah, they regress from like 2 to like 8 sometimes, but you guys are almost never at the bottom of the league in turnovers. You're always top 10, which I do think hints that you know there could be some consistency there. The Dolphins also one of the least penalized teams in the league. Also a New England feature. Also something that was true last year with the Dolphins. The 2019 team that was so horrible, one of the least penalized teams in the league. Furthermore, this defense this year was the best red zone defense in the NFL. It was the best third down defense in the NFL. And I do think them being the best, I understand there's volatility in scoring. Them being the best third down defense in the NFL is not a fluke. Like that is very much something they can sustain. And that's not by accident. So I do think they're going to have they're going to have a better defense than the Jets, and I think the offensive pieces are going to be good enough. And they're already a 10-win team as is. That I do think with Watson, Watson has a real chance to make a deep run here. But there's a reason why Chris Mortensen named us specifically. I don't think that comes from nowhere. I think Watson does want to go to the Dolphins. You could argue because of that Instagram like that he would be cool with going to the Jets too if that's what you want to argue. I'm not saying he doesn't want to go to the Jets. I'm saying I think it is really hard to argue why he would prefer the Jets over the Dolphins when the Dolphins are a better position to win with him. And yes, you may think, I'm fine with you saying the Jets roster is better than people think because of coach. I'm fine with that. I'm not going to take any issue with that. The problem is I think you're underrating losing those picks and how damaging it can be because even if the Jets roster wasn't that bad, guess what? Every team in the NFL gets first-round picks, gets second-round picks. When you lose two years of that, that puts you at a competitive disadvantage relative to everyone else because they're bringing in more talent and you're not at the same rate. As a result, your team gets slightly worse. Everyone else gets slightly better. That's why the Texans are in this mess in the first place. All that draft capital they lost is catching up to them a little bit. And plus some of the dumb decisions O'Brien made with the trades and not getting proper return, that the roster kind of slowly got worse despite having an elite quarterback. So I think, think, look, obviously as a Jets fan, you would prefer Watson than taking a risk on like an unproven quarterback. I think that makes total sense. But I am saying from Watson's perspective, you're going to lose those picks and you have a 2-14 foundation, it's going to be hard to get to a Super Bowl level. Whereas with us, we would also lose those picks. I know that. We would also lose those picks. But our foundation is better for now. And he has a better odds here. Uh, He does have a no-trade clause. So even if even if Casario thinks the Jets offer him back, which I don't think he will, but even if he does think that, Watson ultimately decides. Watson can tell him, no, I want to go to Miami, pick Miami's offer instead. Because Chris Mortensen and Adam Schefter have both said the Dolphins would be ideally like one of his top targets. So I, I, as a fan, I want him. I love Tua. I love Tua dearly. I think a lot of people are being very harsh on him. It's really because that Raiders game, 
it was on national television. It was Saturday night. Everybody watched it. Everybody watched the Fitz benching, and everyone just kind of gave up on him because of that game. And I think that he's got a lot more to prove. He's got a lot to offer. But I mean, I'm realistic. You know, Watson is a proven entity. Tua is not. And so I would rather get the proven thing, especially since he's young. If Watson was like 36, like I, I wouldn't trade Tua for Matt Ryan, for example, because I don't think it's worth it. The upside of having a quarterback for 15 years is so much more important than getting someone at the end of his career. You're not sure how he's going to play in the new system and all that. I really wouldn't do it there. But I would do it for Watson. Um, I don't know if Chris Greer will. I think he might. But I think, and this is kind of what Danny's underrating, when you have all those picks and you have a quarterback on a rookie contract, it's just so much easier to build a championship team because you have more cap space. Because... When the quarterback isn't making 40 mil, it's easier to build the roster. I mean, yes, you can look at the Packers and the Bucks as counter-arguments to that, but go in the other conference. The Chiefs and the Bills, both of those teams are built with a quarterback on a rookie contract. Mahomes signed his extension, but it, it hasn't kicked in yet. It doesn't kick in for another year. So really, or, or I guess it kicks in this upcoming year, but it's not kicking in right 2022, now. 2022, Big Rat. So he's, he's, this year is his fifth year. Next year it kicks in. So, as a result of that, as like they built that team, like why do people think they can have all those embarrassment of riches? They gave Chris Jones a massive contract. They gave Honey Badger a massive contract. Travis they Kelsey. Travis Kelsey, the highest paid tight end in the league. They gave Tyreek. Tyreek Hill makes eighteen million dollars per year. Like it's they can afford all this stuff because they have a quarterback and a rookie contract. And with the Bills, it's the same thing. And it's like I think there's a tremendous advantage there. Where I do think for Greer and for Joe Douglas both, it is very, very possible that they might think, as great as Watson is, if we hit on this rookie, and it's a big if, and it's not guaranteed, but if we hit, if this rookie quarterback turns out to be good, then he's good on a cost-controlled deal, and we have a bunch of extra picks, and we have cap space, like that's how you can build a contending team. Because while everyone wants Watson, no one wants to be the Texans. No one wants to be the team with Watson with a mediocre roster, and you're not winning a whole lot of games that way. So I do think it's a tough decision. I would do it. I'm sure Danny, and I know why Danny would do it for his team. I don't know if it's going to happen. I also don't know if the Texans are fully committed to doing this yet. They might dare him to pull a Carson Palmer. I saw someone, someone said something interesting today. I don't know how Danny feels about this. They could extend this a year. Like, what if they just force him to go to camp, dare him to, like, opt out? And if he doesn't, they could just do this again next summer if they really believe it won't work no matter what. I think when you have a quarterback like that, and especially for them when they have no assets, it's like that's all they have. I think they're going to try every way possible to hold on to him, and I think they're going to dare him to skip practices, pull a Carson Palmer. Like, me and Danny were discussing this on Twitter. Like, that's not easy. Look, look how much James Harden pissed off his teammates in the NBA. He t- admittedly, he took it to a whole nother level, like with the COVID protocols and stuff like that. A lot of that was extreme. But his teammates were pissed because they noticed that he was giving up on them. If Deshaun just no-shows practices, no-shows training camps, no-shows games, like how, how is Brandon Cooks going to feel about that? How is Laramie Tunsil going to feel about that? Those are his friends. I don't think he wants to do that. And if he's not willing to opt out, I think the Texans are going to dare him to play on his contract. This is what the Lakers did with Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant famously, before they got Pau Gasol, asked for a trade. And they told him, you know, training camp starts in September. See you then. 
they dared him to make a mess, and he never did. And I think I think the team very well might do that with Watson. They might dare him to force them to trade him because he's so important to that team. And for that reason, I'm not sure this is going to happen in time. Because if the Dolphins and the Jets, if they use those picks this year, then instantly their offers get less valuable. Like, I know, Danny, you might think you could just trade Justin Fields after a year. but No, 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 I don't, I don't. Yeah, like, if this doesn't happen before the draft, I don't think it's going to happen. The other team to worry about here, though, is San Francisco. It makes a lot of sense. They could trade Jimmy G and picks. And obviously, with Nick Casario, you know, he might be appealed by getting Jimmy G in the building and the draft picks. So, Jimmy G, while I think Tua has a higher ceiling than Jimmy G, Jimmy G is more proven in the NFL than Tua. He's more proven in the NFL than Justin Fields. And that might appeal to someone like Casario, who might not want to completely blow up the team right away. So, I think that's something to look into. And, and also, if you're the Texans, you probably want Watson out of the conference as well. I also think as well, quickly, that J.J. Uh, Watt is the more probable option to get dealt, to be honest, than Deshaun Watson, too. I don't know who's taking that contract, though. Uh, it'll be a contending team, for sure. It'll be a team that's willing to, like, give up, like... I could see, like... I was going to say Pittsburgh, but their cap situation's a little messy. Um, someone like a Green Bay or someone like that, like, you know what, who needs another edge rusher, who wants a... Who just wants someone to cause havoc with? And but I do think as well, Houston's probably gonna have to eat some cap on that as well. Uh, I think I, I don't want I don't want Danny to throw egg on my face if Watson does go to the Jets. I do think it is possible he goes to the Jets. I'm saying though, if he does, I think it's because the Dolphins said no, which they very well could do. I wouldn't do it as a fan, but it wouldn't surprise me. This is everything's kind of going according to plan. They have their picks. They have the rookie quarterback. They have, like, the trajectory. Like, it is a little risky to disrupt all that, take away all the picks, take away Tua, just put Watson in there with no picks, and just, like, you know, hope that works out. I think that's a smart gamble to take. But it's very possible they say no. And if they say no and the Jets make that offer and Watson's cool with it, then, yeah, I can see Watson going to the Jets. My entire point is I don't think he would go to the Jets over the Dolphins. But at the same time, you're also trading for him to not be in your division. So if it's between the Jets and the Dolphins, they both yes. should be stepping to the table to, to make it happen. But what again, I'll, I'll reiterate on this, a big factor on the Jets, what they have, what the Dolphins don't have to an extent, is the cap room. Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson should see that. He's going to know he's a destination that people want to come to, and he can build a team like that. It doesn't necessarily have to be through the draft. I know everyone... Loves to say, oh, you have to build the team through the draft. Yes, predominantly yes, that does work. But there are other avenues you can take. And this this is a great opportunity for the Jets. I only said what I said, though, uh, quickly. I just want to get Matt's thoughts on this because uh, obviously it's a four-man pod. So sometimes some people don't talk for a bit. But my only reason for it, though, is, Danny, just because I don't know if you – not so much you are the fans. Obviously you guys want him. But will Joe Douglas want to risk – his long, like the team's long-term future, rather than there, because that's the only thing. That's the, that's the only reason why I think Joe Douglas wants to build through the draft. Because look, you have two first rounders this year, you have two next year. Um, so I just think that Douglas personally get the quarterback he wants in there, build around him. Uh, you guys do need a running back as well, which and then uh, you have to shore up the defense. Because did the Jets have the Jets named a new defensive coordinator yet or no? 
Yeah, I forgot his name. We mentioned it earlier. Jeff, Jeff. Oh, right, right, right. The linebacker's coach in the Falcons. My bad. But it's going to be solid scheme, regardless. It's going to be a team. Yeah. Uh, And one team I do want to say to watch out for in all this, though, is the Minnesota Vikings. Ooh, that would be good. That's one team I just want to say to watch out for in all this is the Minnesota Vikings. Because you put Deshaun Watson with Dalvin Cook, Thielen, Jefferson, Rudolph, uh, even two like Chad Beebe and Irv Smith. And Ty Conklin, like that's a pretty good offense to have. Mm-hmm. So to counter to your point, I'm sorry, Beast, I'll let you go after this. Um, I'm Joe Douglas. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do want to go through the draft predominantly. That's what every NFL GM wants. But at the same time, the way if I'm him and I'm looking at this, this never happens. You never have a uh, franchise quarterback at 25 years old on the market. You know, hearsay, he's on the market. So that this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. This has never happened in the NFL before. And number two, like I just said before the Big Rat, you're, you're trading to keep him out of your division because you don't want to you don't want to go against this guy for the next 15 years and have buyer's remorse that, oh, I didn't pull the trigger on this trade and, and get fucked up by the Dolphins for the next 10 to 15 years. So that, if, if I'm, if I'm <laughs> that's how I look at it. Well, especially if Casario gets him to his own. Awesome. Back in New England. I mean, that would be. Uh, we're losing Big Rat. Uh, Matt, Matt, I want to get your two cents on on this. Okay, from the outside looking in, I mean, definitely the Jets and the Dolphins could put together each of the best trade packages that the Texans could possibly get out of it. But as Big Rat mentioned earlier, the no trade clause is in effect here. So I mean, ultimately, it's like Deshaun's like ultimately kind of like a free agent he's like hey i want to go here make it happen and they just have to get whatever they can if they can um but i mean if if it comes down to just who could offer the best trade packages that sean just wants out desperately it's definitely between the jets and the dolphins um from a bias standpoint i would like the saints to kind of throw their hat in the ring because i mean Getting, seeing a young quarterback who is this good on the trade market just does not happen. And in my opinion, as Danny said earlier, I mean these first round picks—they're like lottery, uh, lottery tickets. Sometimes they just do not pan out. It doesn't matter if you have the first overall pick in the draft or the second overall pick. Sometimes it just doesn't pan out. These picks are not guaranteed. Um, I would want to guarantee myself a young great quarterback who uh just led the league in passing yards um and just try to build around him granted it'll be harder to do without these draft picks that you're giving up for him but at some point you will get those draft picks back and you have a team around him um right now if i'm Deshaun watson looking at the dolphins they just had a pretty good year and so I could see how he would maybe prefer them over the Jets, even though they are trying to work on themselves and trying to build a better team. Um, and like Danny did say, to his credit, the cap space could help a lot. And I mean, of course, cap space can always be made. I'm a firm believer in that. After all, Mickey Lewis is my GM. So uh, if you really want to, you can make the moves you can if you have the right guys in your front office. 
Um, but I believe if Deshaun Watson wants like an Allen Robinson to come through, and I know Allen Robinson would definitely love to play with Deshaun Watson because uh, look at the quarterbacks the guy's played with all of his career. That could be another enticing factor for Deshaun Watson if he hooks up with a guy and says, hey, I want this guy to come along with me. Um, but really it just all depends if Watson maybe reconciles with the Texans front office. Um that no trade clause is in effect, and then what packages could be offered for him. It's really an interesting offseason, and I don't know what's going to happen, um, but I, I, I can't really pick a, a destination. If I, if I have to lean a little bit towards it, it'd probably be Miami at this point, but it, it's probably down to Miami and the Jets, if I had to say, but you could always see a team just come out of nowhere with a crazy offer and land the guy. Griff, what about your team? Honestly, I would like to, but I know we have other areas of need that we have to build around, like our defensive line. Um, we're still not sure if Dante Hightower's coming back. We need wide receivers. We uh, Tight ends up another big question. For as much as I would love it, I also know, too, this is the same thing, too. I could ask Beast about the Saints, but I know the Saints probably have other positions that they need to fill. Um, that's just my take on it. For as much as I would love to have it, and also, too, I heard um, a friend of mine, Pat Lane, who's been on my podcast before, he works for the Patriots' past pulpit of SB Nation. It's a pipe dream for Pats fans. Like, just the return on it could screw the Patriots long-term. That's why I, like, that's why I look at it from the Jets' perspective as well, where I'm like, you don't want to ruin your long-term future for one player. I'm the same boat. Because, like, look at the Brooklyn Nets right now. If they don't win in the next two to three years, they're screwed for their long-term future. I'm looking at the long-term outlook for the Patriots, and I know that if we get Watson, it would be great. Sure, we're back on the top. But all and said and done, I'd rather, you know what, get the guys who maybe aren't exactly going to be crazy cost costly things. That's why when Danny said, oh, just wait till I go, uh, like drool all over the free agents, I'm fine with not getting like the top-tier guys. If we can fill in guys like you know Curtis Samuel, Jonu Smith, like guys like that, I'm more okay with doing that and then either drafting a quarterback on day two or three, because that's my ideal scenario, honestly, for next year for the quarterback room for the New England Patriots. Uh, get a veteran in free agency or trade, have Jared Sidham, and then have a day two or three guy. Ideally, I feel like Mac Jones could potentially fall to that, but I feel that someone's going to reach for him on day one. I feel like someone's going to reach for him in the first round, and it's going to have a lot of risk on it. So, not to go too far off topic... But that's just my two cents on the whole situation is, for as much as I would love it, I know that we have other areas that we need to spend our money on more than quarterback. That was a mouthful, and I hope you all appreciated that. Yeah, I think uh, the Dolphins should just worry about bringing back Ted Cowers. Um, if, 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 if he signs with the Jets, I'm going to get some fucking obnoxious-ass tweet from this jerk, like, like oh, what happened? see it now already and, and vice versa and i'll be the i'll be i'll, I'll be the i'll be the principal in that situation like i did last time if you two are arguing let's go you two skype now I do want it on the record that even though I'm cool with treating Tua, only because of the security of having an elite quarterback, if Tua does blossom into a really good quarterback, I I have all of Danny's tweets saved from December where I am going to come back and throw them in his face. And I don't want to hear, oh, but you wanted Deshaun Watson. Of course, because 
25 out of 32 teams want Deshaun Watson. All right? So I don't want to hear that when I inevitably rub this back into you a year from now. I'll take my chances on a left-handed quarterback. By the way, your QB3 isn't even going to be the week one starter. Clearly. I mean, if you don't realize that now, you never will. That what, the, Sam? No, the hiring of Sirianni means that Carson Wentz is probably going to be the week one starter. But, oh, no, 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 no. I agree. I agree that Wentz is the starter. Yeah, I think that doesn't that that doesn't mean that two is still not QB four. <laughs> I um quickly with the Wentz thing, I was I I do like the Sirianni hire. I think they should go after Deuce Staley, by the way, as their OC. Um, but I think the Philly situation is going to carry into twenty twenty two. To be honest with you guys, um, but minus all this talk we've had, we still got football to watch on Sunday. We got two championship games. Green Bay, Tampa Bay, the bat, the Bay of Pigs. Um, I know where Danny's leaning because I know who his Super Bowl pick is, but I want to go to Matt first because obviously ties to both opponents. Who do you like more? Man, it, it, it kills me that the Saints run in this game. It just uh, it kills me. But I don't think we would have beat the Packers if we came to this game, to be honest. Um the the way Breeze has been playing uh, this postseason, I just don't see us keeping up with an Aaron Rodgers team. That being said, um, the Packers are definitely weak on the run. If the Bucks want to win, they have to lean on Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, and Tom Brady has to make some plays. But at the end of the day, the Bucks secondary can be suspect, and I think Aaron Rodgers is going to go out there and make more plays than Tom Brady is, and he's going to have the Packers going to uh, going to Tampa Bay into the Super Bowl because uh, it'd be crazy if Tom Brady actually uh, won and got to go to the Super Bowl in his home stadium. I don't think a team's has a team even made it to the Super Bowl in their home stadium. I know they haven't won the no, Super Bowl in their home stadium. They haven't made it. Wow, so. Yeah, this this came up when the Vikings uh, after they beat your Saints. Sorry for bringing yes, it up. Yes, uh, I remember it, that. It came up that year too. Um, but then they got their asses kicked by the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC Championship game. So that died quickly. So I'm going to lean on the odds of that and just say the Packers are going to win. Mainly, just mainly, like I said, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to ultimately make more plays than Tom Brady. I think you're I think sometimes in the playoffs it comes down to if your quarterback can make the play for you. And Aaron Rodgers, the way he's played this year, he's definitely shown he can do that. Um but if the Bucks can come up with a really good game plan to shut down Devontae Adams and make Aaron Rodgers try to go to these other guys, he's shown he can do it at times though. But if if they fail him, the Bucks could win and they could lean on their running game and try to get the win. But I'm gonna go with the Packers on this one. Um, yeah, to jump in, um, give myself a little pat on the back here for, uh, you know, at least the Bucks have made it this far, um, despite, you know, the Alex Smith of football takes and Big Rat, you know, always taking the safe pick. I did pick the Bucks to go to the Super Bowl. So, oh, so, so, so <laughs> taking the Bucks. <laughs> I have to, um, I have to stick with them. Um, you know, you look at the, the, the week four, week five game that they had, I don't think it's going to be anything close to that. Obviously these teams, um went through a full season, it's going to be a little different. The matchup really does favor the Packers here. Oh, no, I think I lost you guys. I got you. We got you still. No, my AirPods died. Hold on. Okay, okay. Um, Big Rat, do you want to jump in? Uh, yeah, sure. So, wait, Danny, are you back? Oh, never mind. Uh, yeah, uh, 
I, I'll kind of lead off of what he was saying. The four or five matchup, I don't think will matter all that much. If you watch that game, the, the Packers were up 10-0 at the start of that game. People forget. And then Rodgers threw back-to-back pick sixes. The first one was an actual pick six. The second one was a pick that was brought back to like the one-yard line. Uh, so it was a little different. But it was essentially two pick sixes. And the Packers just kind of quit. Like, they got dominated in the second quarter. It was 31% at halftime. And they just kind of quit. Like, they were just like, eh, it's a regular season game. We're getting our asses kicked. We're on the road. They were undefeated at that point. And they kind of just packed it in. The Bucks really only, they dominated that one quarter. They scored 31 points in a quarter, which is crazy. And that was the difference in the game. So, um, I think repeating that is going to be very, very hard. I will give the Bucks credit for winning last week. I have been saying all year, I think they're a little overrated. And this of the regular season where they were favorites against the Bears. They lost. They were favorites against the Saints the second time. People forget. They were four and a half point favorites over the Saints in the rematch. And the Saints destroyed them. They were the favorites against the Rams. They lost. Um, I'm not cutting out, am I, Griff? No, you're good. You're good. Yeah, so they would do this a lot in the regular season. They would get their asses kicked by a really good team. They would beat up on a lot of cupcakes. And people would overrate them. Minus the New York Giants. What? Except for the New York Giants, which you and I, we have the famous Daniel Jones recording on primetime. So, and uh, so I, I never took them that seriously, even though they have a high point differential, because it's the same thing with them. When the opposing team can't get pressure, Brady's going to play really well because he's a 40 year old quarterback, 43 year old, in a clean pocket, throwing to great receivers. He'll play well. When teams get pressure on him, he's a mess. You saw this in the Saints game a little bit the, the Eli Manning sack. Where, like, if someone gets close, he just, like, quits. He just, like, goes down because he doesn't want to risk, like, taking a big hit. And he does this a lot. The Eli sack, when the pocket does collapse, of just, like, just going down, surrendering, not even giving the play a chance. And I'm not doing this to criticize him because in a clean pocket, he did play really well against the Washington football team. The week before that game, I came on this podcast and I told you guys, I think it'll be like that Giants game, except they don't score the touchdown at the end to narrow the score. And that's exactly what happened. It was, they lost by eight points. They were driving for the tie, possible tie, but didn't score the touchdown like the Giants did. And I will give them credit for winning last week. They have improved because teams change over time. Teams aren't the same team the whole year. I get this is my problem as a fan and as someone who comes on this show where I see a team that's overrated, and they were the entire year. I was exhausted how many times people would overrate the hell out of them after they after an embarrassing loss three weeks earlier that people would just ignore. And it was exhausting. It was once a month. It was the same thing. But just because they were overrated then doesn't necessarily mean they're overrated now because they are playing a lot better in the last few weeks. So both things can be true, and I can accept that despite fighting it because of the fact that until they beat the Saints, I don't think they had really – done anything noteworthy they were down 17-0 to the falcons the second time they played the falcons it was a close game in the fourth quarter until they scored back-to-back touchdowns at the end beating the washington football team taylor heineke looked really really good against them and um so i don't think they had done anything impressive until they finally beat the saints it was a divisional game they did get four turnovers the nature with which they got some of those turnovers was a little fluky like there's other ways you play that saints game the Saints, Jared Cook doesn't fumble, and the Saints get a field goal or a touchdown on that drive to go up 27-13 or 23-13.
And then all of a sudden, the offense has a little more momentum. It was a really close game, despite the 10-point deficit at the end. So, so I am going to give the Bucks more credit. They are playing better, and they can win this game. I am going to pick the Packers. I do think they're the better team. I think the Bucks defense is a little weaker than their reputation. Um, I think shutting down Drew Brees when he was throwing the interceptions, I still remember when Taylor Heineke played really well against defense, this defense two weeks ago. So I'm not going to ignore that either just because they played really well against Brees. And there's, this is a crazy stat. Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau in December or January is 29-5 and five since, since 2008. 29 and 5 in Lambeau in December and January. Could this be one of the losses? Yes, it is a playoff game and all that. It wouldn't surprise me if the Bucks won, but I'm going to trust the Packers here as the better team, the better offense, and I think this Bucks pass defense uh, could be beat up a little bit. And last thing I'll say, uh, EPA per play by quarterbacks under pressure. They did the rankings of under pre- these quarterbacks under pressure throughout the league. And I think, like, Mahomes is the fourth best. Josh Allen was the eighth best. Rodgers was the 12th best. And Tom Brady was 31st. And so that's why these Bucks are so inconsistent. When the pocket is clean, he plays great. When the pocket is dirty, he plays like one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. We haven't seen that Brady in a few months. We've only seen them play well. I guess against the Saints, he didn't play that well. So if the pocket gets dirty, he can play really bad. And if he plays really bad, they're going to get crushed. Like, I don't think, in this game, I don't think they could survive, like, a mediocre Brady game like they could against the Saints. They just they just won't. I don't think Rodgers is going to throw that many interceptions. So they need him to be great, which they could if the pass rush holds up, but that will decide the game. If the pass rush holds up, the box offense will make it a shootout. I still think the Packers will win, but it will be close. If the pass rush does, if the Bucks offensive line does not hold up, Brady's going to play bad, and they're going to get smoked. Those are the only two ways I see this game playing out. Shades of the 2016 uh, AFC Championship game when Von Miller and uh, Derek Wolf had their way with Tom Brady. Um, personally, I I want to see the I want to see the Bucks make it just because obviously there's another side to the other championship game that I would love to see happen for obvious reasons. If you know, you know. But I want to pick logically and. Ever since the Packers played the Titans, and I came, I think I came on this podcast and said numerous times, this game right here could, if they let Derrick Henry run wild, I'm not buying into the Packers' defense. But they've shored up. Their defense has been locked down. They've been getting the quarterback pressures. They've been stopping the run pretty well. Like You saw what Cam Akers did against Seattle, and then you just saw their game run game be a no factor against the Packers. Um... I think this is going to be a close game regardless, and I still am going to roll. I'm going to roll with the Packers winning, but I'm going to go. And also, too, if you guys know by now for the listening audience and obviously for the people at home, I like to give scores. So I'm going to say Packers win 27 to 24. Um, to jump back in, yep. sorry, I cut off there. Um, you know, with, with, with Bruce Arians, you know, the way he game planned last week against the Saints, you know, to, to, to make sure they established the run was beautiful. And that's why they got blown out by the Saints the, the week before. Because when Tom Brady's dropping back and you know he's passing every time, you're not you have no chance. You don't. Just like Big Rat said, you know, they're they're just gonna send pressure and it's not gonna end up well. Um another another big determining factor in this game, I believe, is Ronald Jones playing and starting. I don't think Leonard Fournette looked really good yesterday uh last week. I think he looked really slow. 
Um, he still, you know, he still had a decent game. Don't get me wrong, but you notice the difference when Ronald Jones came in for those few plays. Like they, they were, he was doing a lot more than uh, than Leonard was. So I think that's going to be a determining factor. Um, as far as the defense, man, hats off, bro. Hats off to, to you know, they created those turnovers, and there should have been one or two more that uh, were dropped interceptions. So if I know they're not going to do that against Aaron Rodgers, but Todd Bowles is going to have to be damn good, just as good. He can't send, you know, blitzes every third down to Rodgers. They're going to get torn apart. So they have to go into this game with a, with a pristine game plan. I don't know if they do it. I mean, they're my Super Bowl pick, so I'm going to have to go with them. But I would not be shocked if the Packers win at all. All right, with that all being said, let's move over to the uh, – oh, wait, do you have something to say, Big Rat? Yeah, very quickly, the last thing I want to say is also – but, Danny, the other side of that is Brady had two to three picks dropped in that Saints game also. They just weren't caught. Like, the Marcus Lattimore, like, has a beeline on a pass. I think it was to Tyler Johnson or Scotty Miller in the fourth quarter of that game that, you know, he catches that ball. Like, you know, it's a different ball game. So, like – He's he's got to play better, I think, than they did last week. They can't like it's not just their defense being able to get those turnovers. Like his turnovers were dropped last week. Are they going to be dropped again? He would need to play better. Um, and the other thing too is I had a love hate not not a love hate just a hate relationship with was Troy Aikman gawking over that uh, Tyler Johnson uh, catch. I'm like, yeah, it was a nice catch, but it wasn't like, oh my god, that's the best catch ever. Like he kind of over he oversold it and. Um, one thing I want to note quickly, too, is I saw something from Pro Football Focus. I was saying whose legacy is more impacted by this game. I'm like, saying Tom Brady's legacy is at stake is like, Big Rat, do you remember when the whole uh, WrestleMania 30, it was Cena versus Wyatt, and they played that Eminem song called Legacy? And everyone's like, what the fuck else does Cena have to prove? It's the same thing. Like, Brady wins or loses, it doesn't change his status. Meanwhile, if Aaron Rodgers loses, it's just going to be his, I believe, fifth uh yeah no wait fourth straight NFC championship game loss. He I, I think this is a pretty important game for Rodgers. It's um, just like like it doesn't get like they have a home game. He was complaining a few years ago that the NFC championship game is never in Lambeau. Well, it is now, and there will be fans, and they do have the weather advantage. I mean, if they don't win, this Bucks team is good, but like I don't think it's better than some of the teams they've faced in the NFC title game in recent years. And so if they don't win this one, it's like, what's it going to take? I don't know. Like, Not drafting Jordan Love in the first round. Um, but anyway, moving on to the AFC championship game, Bills versus Chiefs. Um, who wants to take this one first? Uh, I, I won't go first, but I will just say, because I don't want it to be like, I mean, if it is a huge topic, I do think Mahomes is going to play. All signs point to that. That doesn't mean he's going to be 100%. The toe injury could be as impactful as the concussion because it's turf toe. Like, that's a lingering injury. That could affect his ability to scramble, which is a big part of their offense, especially in the playoffs. But I do think all indications are he's going to play. He practiced today and yesterday. So I just wanted to get that away real quick. Oh, he practiced today. Like They were saying that yesterday that it's the Thursday practice is the most critical to if he's going to play or not. I think he will play. But that being said, we don't know if Sunday morning he wakes up and he's got like a massive headache or something. But at the same time, too, for all we know, he could just mask it and say, oh, yeah, I was fine. And then after the game, you find out, no, yeah, he was still dealing with headaches. And even, too, the toe injury was worse than we thought. So just yeah, I think, something to look out I for. I think it's fair to – yeah, no, I, I was going to say, it is definitely fair to talk 
about the game as if he won't, even if... Okay, Big Rat, you're cutting out there. Uh, Matt, Danny, who wants to go? Go ahead, Matt. Okay. Um, as far as this Bills-Chiefs game goes, I think, uh, as Big Rat said, you, you, you could talk about it either way. Um, but, I mean, if they don't have Mahomes, that's a huge hit. Um, he's got to play. I'm sure he's going to find a way to play no matter what happens, um, even though it could be bad or detrimental. Um, but I think he'll ultimately play, like Big Rat said. I think he will play because he just has to be out there so that way they can get to the Super Bowl. Um, at the very beginning of the year, I was I was pretty high on the Bills. I, I think on this podcast, I might have predicted. I, I know I predicted them to win the division. Um, I don't really I don't really know if I predicted them to go thirteen and three or uh, be this good, but. Uh, it's just been really interesting to see how good they've become. And the crazier thing to think of is how close we were to a Browns and Bills AFC championship game. Just let that sink in for a second. That is wild to yeah, think about. Big Rat would have loved that. Sorry to cut you off. Oh, yeah, that's fine. I mean, just those two teams being in there would have been nuts. Um, but as far as predictions for the games go... Um, I think it's going to come down to the fact that the Chiefs have that experience um, and can end up making the plays when they have to make the plays. Um, Mahomes is that guy. He is the face of the NFL. He's the generational quarterback of this generation. Um, and this could just be another step, stepping stone to building his legacy and getting to another Super Bowl in back-to-back years. I would definitely build upon it. Um, personally, I would. I, I know all of you guys definitely do not want the Bills in the Super Bowl, but I would love to see them in there. Um, I mainly just like the Bills mainly because I have Josh Allen as a dynasty quarterback, so I just like the guy. Um, and seeing how he's made the year, the the leap with uh, Stephon Diggs added to the offense has been something very interesting to see. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the Chiefs are just going to make the plays when it counts. Um, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, those guys have been killing it all year. And uh, I think they're going to continue to kill it into this game. And uh, I think the Chiefs are just going to make the plays when it counts. And Josh Allen could make a dumb mistake. It, it could happen. Uh, I know he almost did uh, where his lineman actually picked up the ball that he about fumbled uh, without just going down and keep trying to fight. <laughs> To try to get out of an obvious sack situation, so there could be a silly Josh Allen play in there that ultimately decides the game for these teams. But uh, right now, I'll take the Chiefs. Yeah, um, it would it would absolutely kill me to see the Bills in the Super Bowl, man. You know, already dealing with that dealt with, with the Patriots, man, and then to have them go to the Super Bowl would, would suck. But uh, hats off to them, man. You know, they they did it the right way. They're a great team. Um, they I've been picking against them every week, and they've made it this far. But if if it comes down to Patrick Mahomes being healthy, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. He's the best quarterback in the league. Um, they have this experience. The Bills haven't ever been in this spot. They have. They're gonna have to go to Casey and play a perfect game, I believe. Um, I'm not sure if Rashad Breeland's playing. Is, does anyone know that? Him, I don't know about. And the other two, I don't know about. Is I believe I think Sammy Watkins will, but Clyde Edwards-Alaire is the other X factor to watch for. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know how they're going to game plan for Stephon Diggs, but, you know, if you're the Chiefs, you have a, you have a chance to go down and score seven every single drive. Um, I don't think the Bills have been tested to, th- to this caliber of, of a team. Um, 
but I, it's, it's going to be a tough game. I think it's a final possession game. Josh Allen's going to have to play really well in KC, though, is all I'm going to say. Uh, just, just for clarity, uh, Ashad Breeland, Clyde Trillaire, Sammy, and Patrick Mahomes, they both pro- they all practice Wednesday and Thursday limited. Oh. So. Uh, Le'Veon Bell was a uh, non-participant in practice today, just something to look out for. And also, to Gabriel Davis... Uh, did not practice either. Yeah, that's. Uh, I was going to talk about that. But I do think that matters. Uh, Gabriel Davis was a DMP Wednesday and Thursday. He can still play, obviously. But if he doesn't practice tomorrow, three straight DMPs is usually a bad sign. And uh, I don't think Cole Beasley looks like himself. I he got hurt at the end of that Patriots game on Monday Night Football, and just watching him the last two games, he doesn't seem to be a hundred percent. He's a big part of this team, a big part of this offense. The dude was second team all pro this year. Crazy. Because, like, apparently Peter King was saying for the all pro team, they took out the flex spot and turned it into the slot wide receiver spot. And some voters just voted for the three best receivers. And other voters specifically wanted to vote for the best slot receiver. So Cole Beasley got enough votes as the best slot receiver that he made second team all pro, even though. I don't think anyone would say that he's a top six receiver in the league, but there you go. Uh, so I do think he matters. And if Gabriel Davis doesn't play and Colby's is not 100%, that's a big deal. I do not know if the Bills can win with no running game, no Gabriel Davis, and a banged-up Colby's Beasley. I don't know if you can match the Chiefs score for score, which you're going to need to do in this game. But if Gabriel Davis does play, and let's say Colby's Beasley, let's just let's pretend like he'll be 100%, and let's say he's himself again. That I do think this game is a true coin flip. Uh, I'm like Danny. I mean, I'll, I'll be very upset during the Super Bowl. This might sound crazy to you guys, but if it's Bills Bucks, I might actually root for the Bucks. Like seriously, like that's 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 how bad it is with the Bills. I will be so, the big. Sorry to cut you off, Big Rat. I just want to say this quickly. If it's Bills and Bucks, I'm going to be the biggest Buccaneer fan in the world. I I can't. I, we're we're all fans of the other AFC East teams, and like. Uh, look, props to the Bills. Like they have some really nice fans. I know they like all donated a lot of money to Lamar Jackson's charity after he got hurt, which is a really good thing to do. And they also donated money to Andy Dalton's charity when he got them into the playoffs a few years ago. But fuck the Bills. And if they go to the Super Bowl, like they will just have so much renewed confidence. Like it'll carry over into next year, especially with Dable coming back. That I just, it's bad for all of us if they go to the Super Bowl. So. I'm, I don't want them in. I'll be rooting for Tom Brady in the Super Bowl for the first time in my life if it's Bucks bills So I'm biased here. Before the season, talk about bad takes. I came on this show, my bold prediction was the New York Jets would win more games than the Buffalo Bills. The oh Jets, my God, I never knew you said that. The Jets went 2-14 and 14 and the Bills went 13-3. and three. I was off by 11 games. 11. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. I think that was the AFC uh, preview show we did back in September. Thinking for like, yeah. yeah the, I mean, I was. It's not like I was super high on the Jets. I just thought the Jets would kind of be like what they were last year. I thought they would go like seven and nine or eight and eight. And I thought, you know, I was just banking on Josh Allen being terrible again because yeah. I do believe. Like, I, I got a lot of heat from some of Bills Mafia on Twitter. I know Griff, you've had your run-ins with Bills Mafia too. Oh really yeah, Bills Mafia, the angry type. But uh, some of Bill's Mafia got into my mentions um, a few weeks back, and they were like, you see, you were wrong on Josh Allen and the Bills. I was wrong on Josh Allen. I don't think it's wrong to say if you have a bad quarterback 
you can't sustain winning. Blake Bortles was good enough to play in an AFC title game. They went 6-10 and ten the next year. It doesn't matter how good the roster is. If the quarterback is bad, eventually the team is going to lose. Mitch Trubisky with the Bears, another one. They were 12-4 and four a few years ago. The defense is still really good. It is not sustainable. So if Josh Allen stayed being a bad quarterback, it would not have been sustainable. They would not have won as many games as they did last year. But that's not what happened. He grew, and he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league this year. So they deserve to win a lot of games as a result of that. So I re- I will admit being wrong on Allen, but I don't regret fading them thinking that Allen was going to be bad. Because if you think Allen is bad, then they shouldn't go 13-3. and They just shouldn't. No, but not at all. I, I, I think it's a coin flip, though. I... I'm biased. I really, really badly want the Chiefs to win. I'm a little scared. I'm not going to lie. The Action Network podcast that I listened to earlier today, they thought the best lines were Packers minus three and a half and Bills plus three. And when I heard them say they liked Bills plus three, I was, I got queasy because I trust these guys a lot. They're usually really accurate in how they predict the playoffs. And to hear them say Bills like really scared me. I can't have the Bills win this game. I do think the Chiefs will win. But I think, I think it's going to be a sweat. I think it's going to be like the Chiefs-Patriots AFC title game a few years ago. I think it's going to be scary. So, we'll see. Except if this goes to overtime, are we going to get Bill, and the Chiefs win in OT, are we going to get Bill's Mafia bitching about, oh, we didn't get the ball. Well, too bad. Um, that also, I, I, that's my one gripe I have with Chief fans is because of that game. And also, too, everyone forgets that Tom, that's what proved me how good Tom Brady was when he completed three third and longs in a row. Um, yeah. But with this game, though, I'm going Chiefs, but I'm going to say this right now. The Bucs, I think, because Packers and Chiefs, I think is... Here's the other thing, too. I And I saw this on a TikTok, actually, from just a random account. The NFL, Bill, between the Packers and Bucs, they don't care who makes it. Part of me thinks the NFL agenda wants the Chiefs in because Patrick Mahomes right now is more marketable than Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. That's just me, though. But the one thing I want to ask, though, is... You know how the Chiefs now, th- they're all, it's already thir- three straight AFC championship games in a row at Arrowhead? Are we eventually going to get Chiefs fatigue, or is this just going to be like, you know, the LeBron James factor where year in, year out, they're always there and everyone's happy to see them, and there's only that small market of people that are like, oh, come on, for another another year? Like, come on. They're, you're not going to like this answer from me, but I, I'll let them respond. But I just wanted to quickly say, I think like they're a lot more fun than the Patriots are. And I don't just mean that as like, obviously I hate the Patriots as a Dolphins fan, but like they're, they're fun. The way they play offense is just fun. I think and people will get sick of them eventually, but I don't think we're there yet. I think they're, they'll need like another year or two. Yeah. Yeah. Like if they're in the AFC championship game in 21 and then obviously this year's 21, but it's a 2020 season. So if they're there in the 21 season and then the 22 season, I think everyone's going to be like, okay, who's here to, Kind of dethrone the king. Like, I'm not saying now, but I'm just saying too, because, like, the way ESPN looks at Patrick Mahomes is, like, the same way where it's like, oh my god, he could take a shit and they'll, like, talk about it. Um, that's just my bias with ESPN, though. That's, that, that's all I want to say. But for this game, though, I'm going logical. I think Mahomes plays and I think we get Chiefs Packers. But, like I said before, if it's Bills versus Bucks and the Bucks were to win, I would be. Such a pain in the ass, the Bills Mafia on Twitter. Then the other good thing, too, even though I do not like the Bills, I do have some Bills Mafia friends, the people on Twitter, though, that I do talk to, including, uh, don't know if you guys listen to, but his name's Joe Miller from a podcast network in Buffalo, comes on here a couple of times. He's been on here a couple of times. Uh, there's people like that that I, like, respect, but then I had my bad experience with them, so 
I have a little bit of a hatred, but at the same time, too, it's like an admirated respect. Kind of like a lot of the way people look at uh, John Cena, if you will. <laughs> like, you respect the man, but you fucking hate him. Yeah. We can't we can't have the buzz of the Super Bowl, man. No, please, no. Please, please, yeah, no way, man. You'll yeah, see. Danny's right. It's just like, I, I, I don't know if Danny felt this way. I was so happy that, like, when Brady left New England, even, I mean, I still thought the Patriots would win the division this year. But it's just like, just not having like the Patriots in the Super Bowl every year. I was like really looking forward to that. And to just replace them with another AFC East team, it's just like, it's so fucking annoying. Especially for you two. Yes. Oh, yeah. You, you got to have your fun. Yeah. <laughs> we have to watch our rivals win Super Bowls every year. It's annoying. Well, let's put it this way. What if the Bills go on to be a dynasty for years and years? And then what if it's the Jets or the Dolphins' turn next? That would be a long time, though, man. Yeah, well, yeah, it would be a very long time. Who goes? Who goes last in that order? Is one of us gonna have to wait till we're like in our seventies? <laughs> Maybe me again. Oh, oh yeah, the, the Patriots will get another turn before it comes back to the Jets and the Dolphins. <laughs> all I'm, I'm gonna say this right now. All I ask for in 2021, Big Rat, is that. All like that. There's parody. Like if the Patriots finish where the Dolphins were this year, like that ten and six, and they just miss, I'm not gonna be mad. As long as they do better than seven and nine, I'll be happy. And the Dolphins are gonna want to make the playoffs, and the Jets are gonna want to improve. It's it's we we need Bills Mafia to take a step back, which they can if they lose this game. Yeah, so and, and if they would have lost Dave, they would have. But yes. you know, they, they're gonna run back the same team now. And only get better, so... Unless, like, Houston throws, like, a lot of money at him or something like that. Yeah, Grip, and Grip also mentioned, um, even if Houston doesn't get him, Houston could get Leslie Frazier, which, it's not going to have the same impact, because McDermott is, like, a defensive head coach, but it'll, it'll help, you know? It'll help us, it won't help them. Exactly. Um, so, Danny and... Are we all... So, all four of us picking Chiefs, or...? All right. I, I am, but man, I I'm worried. I'm not gonna I'm scared too. I'm Same. Scared. Same, because also too, uh, Chiefs are really bad against the spread. I think since week eight or week nine, they haven't covered the spread once. They haven't fucked me in that Bucks game, dude. They haven't. They haven't won by more than a touchdown since they played the Jets. Yeah, and not like not to Danny, but like yeah, because then they had the game against Carolina where they won by a point. They won uh, against Atlanta Same. by three. The Saints by three. Yeah, they haven't had a game. Andy, Andy Reid notoriously does not cover spreads. Paul Thurwin is if it goes to overtime and the Bills get the ball, the first thing I'm doing if I'm Josh Allen is I'm throwing a deep ball to Stephon Diggs. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> the first thing I'm doing. But if Gabe Davis doesn't play, all you have to do is, is have have two on on Diggs no matter what, because they can't <laughs> run the ball. And you like you said, Beasley's banged up. No Davis. You'd be you'd be relying on Isaiah McKenzie. You know. I, I doubt I doubt it's gonna work that way. So you just have to worry about Diggs, and if you take him out, your your chances go up greatly. Um, one X factor. I, I, one. I just want to say something quickly. Uh, um. Okay. Um. The one thing I want to say quickly too is Josh Allen's had a couple of bad fumble snaps the last couple of weeks, and you got Chris Jones on the other side of the ball just waiting to get at you. So that Buffalo O line, I think, also has to play a perfect game. That's something I think that's going to be very unnoticed by a lot of people. Is the the not Kansas City's old line because obviously Mahomes is very elusive, but 
I think that if Buffalo's O-line has a bad snap or if they let Allen get phased, it's the same thing as Brady. And uh, he fumbled against the Colts, and his O-line recovered it. But what if the ball bounces slightly in the other direction and the other team recovers it instead? Exactly. So, that's just I would hope like someone like Frank Clark, who hasn't had that good of a year apparently, I haven't been watching him closely, but that's what the Chiefs people say. He's been kind of slower this year. Wouldn't this be the great spot for, like, you kind of, you mailed it in in the regular season, it's the playoffs, the AFC title game, you're at home, and you just come out, like, with guns a-blazing with, like, a three-sack performance. That, that's what I'm hoping for. I mean, as a Patriots fan, I know that, look, you have to rely on those guys that make that one play, like, look at earlier, like, Malcolm Butler, for example. If he doesn't make that pick, no one knows who he is. I'm not yeah. saying Frank Clark's well known, but I'm just saying... All it takes is that one play, and momentum can change. Like obviously that was game winning, but the one play I look at in the I'm just going to go to the 28 to three comeback was the Dante Hightower strip sack with about eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Like plays like that are what win you championships. Maybe this time, maybe this time it could be a Josh Allen red zone interception late in the fourth quarter. Anyone? Anyone? Huh? I think it's going to be a fumble. It's gonna, it's gonna be a fumble. So some sort of panic sack fumble, like inexplicably, like on third and long or something. Like what happened to Cam Newton in Super Bowl Fifty? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Alrighty, well, anyway, boys, um, it's been a blast. We're uh, almost at the two-hour mark. Who we? That's what happens when you talk football, folks. You have a fun time, but boys, Matt, Danny, Big Rat, thank you guys very much. Thank you very much once again for coming on, guys. It's always a blast. No matter which one of the three of you I talk to. I hope you guys all enjoy Championship Sunday. It's been an absolute blast talking to you guys tonight. And uh, we'll have to have you guys back on very soon because in a couple weeks we got the Super Bowl. Yeah, hopefully I'll be back on when Deshaun Watson's a jet. Please, please no Bills Bucks. And uh, I'll, I'll just be crying while watching these games. <laughs> Poor Matt. Oh, Matt. You, man, the pod, you, you just like lowered the mood in it, but it's all good, man. Well, anyway, folks, enjoy Championship Sunday, and we'll be—I'll be back next week to recap it all for you. Have a good night, and like I said before, enjoy the games this weekend. Do, did, will the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. 
Jeff Woods and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com.